Ja, hallo und herzlich willkommen bei einer weiteren Sitzung von Corona. Of the Corona Executive Committee. We are, have been active for over a year analyzing the virus happenings. We started four of us for lawyers, uh, Dr. Rainer Füllmich, uh, Antonia Fischer and Dr. Justus Wohlmann and myself. I am a lawyer as well, and we are into the 68th session today looking at effective resistance. There is quite some interesting approaches which are already bearing fruit. I can report one thing up front. We are going to listen to someone from Holland who's found an interesting way to get rid of the vaccination buses in front of schools. They did a little demonstration and in that context they shot a video and of the buses and in the background they could see the people who are active and then Willem Engel, um, he was a biologist and activist from Holland, asked them to look at it in close and maybe take uh, photographs for the future, for future use. Uh, not more specific and then the parents picked up on that idea went there sometimes they organize themselves as little rallies we're going to refer on the legal situation for that in germany as well and they took photographs and that was so uncomfortable for the people in the buses and the inf tour organizers organizers that the buses left faster than the parents could watch so, and that was accompanied by a letter pointing out the risks and the lack of information if a minor is vaccinated without uh, consent of their parents. So that's an interesting article. I have just uh, written an article on that on 2020 News and you can look that up there and we'll come back to that later in the course of the day. Rainer. Well, let me add a bit uh, to it. With the hearings and the interviews we've held here, we've reached a point some time ago where we're not uh, seriously in a position anymore to consider whether or not we're faced with a real pandemic here. We've known for a long time now that the infectious uh, mortality rate of what's happening out there, nobody disputes that there is a virus out there, uh, that it is comparable to a uh, flu um, uh, with um, 0.014 according to WHO or 0.015 according to other sources. So uh, we won't uh, debate anymore whether uh, this is dangerous or not um, or how dangerous it is. We know it is comparable to a flu. We don't need to think about um, the PCR test anymore either, which is the only, the sole um, reason, the sole justification um, for the declaration of a uh, public pandemic of um, uh, public concern, whether it's uh, is any validity, we know that it is uh, designed such that it will give nearly exclusively false positives 
In the meantime, which is a nice success, if you wish, of what we're doing here, uh, increasing numbers of politicians have contacted us, and uh, we have um, initial politician here, Sue Frost, who is one of five members of the Board of Supervisors of Sacramento County in California, which is um, about one and a half times as uh, large as Germany. It has um, a number of different municipalities, uh, Sacramento being one of them, uh, which um, a county, a county of Sacramento, there's 135 of them in California. And Sacramento County, of course, is home to the capital of California. So she's a county supervisor there, and she says something is wrong here. All the red lines that um, could have been crossed have been crossed now. Um, additional high-ranking politicians have contacted us, and we have to, of course, verify whether this is correct or not, because uh, attempts are made, of course, to undermine uh, our advocacy of what we've been doing internationally, and it would be nothing uh, more embarrassing than announcing somebody as a politician who isn't a politician at all, actually. We have four little uh, videos for you today. Uh, one um, very well suits the title of this meeting today, Effective Resistance, because the French uh, said that uh, there's something that, of course, aren't show, isn't shown on the mainstream media, of course, but it is shown in the alternative media where people get their alternative information. And we have some videos here where people say, we don't care if you allow us to go into the restaurants or not. We want to, um, we won't have anything to do with you anymore. Uh, if you ha feel you have to decide whether only people with vaccinations or without vaccinations or whatever are allowed in or not, uh, we'll just have picnics. We just won't go along. Well, that's one option. There are many others which we will speak about in detail. The most important part or point being that here in France as well, people who got together there represent both camps, as it were. The uh, two camps that uh, are supposed to be pitched against each other, i.e. Uh, vaccinated and non-vaccinated people and uh, we will cooperate closely with the Canadian uh, lawyer who uh, will support us. Uh, the interesting thing is that he uh, got vaccinated uh, in his early 70s, uh, he is right now, uh, and then suffered um, negative consequences. Great, that's a good thing. Um, that's good to see because on the other hand we see 
a hardening of the fronts, um, so to say. Yesterday there was a uh, discussion with a uh, one of the state minister presidents in Germany here from Saxony. There was a question running to the point whether the vaccinations will have a full authorization. And Mr. Kretschmer showed that he was very unknowledgeable and say yes we have a full approval as the federal government we insisted last autumn uh, to have that also with some uh, other areas uh, so that is of course complete nonsense and it's shocking to see that the state minister president doesn't know this um, all the vaccinations only have a uh, restricted license in the whole of Europe because there have not been any studies and research and uh, no mass studies which is being carried out now um, unfortunately so it's very bad to see that the, um, uh, the state uh, minister president doesn't know this and he thinks it's important and right that the children can be vaccinated without any consent of their parents so there is a little leaflet that they've made to um, get the children to and, and telling them that they can decide themselves whether to get vaccinated and uh, he says it's right if um, the doctor says it's okay then it'll be okay if you get vaccinated without the uh, consent of your parents and um, that um, is the legal situation that many uh, that youths and children have their adolescents and children have their own standpoint and things of course they are a personality in themselves but in this matter they cannot decide and legal uh, the legal situation is that perhaps in an extraordinary situation to um, have a um, operation if it broke its leg and the parents are not there it can say yes or no but in this difficult situation which is even difficult for, difficult for the parents to understand it is impossible for children to do this and all the doctors that follow this opinion um, do not see that they are uh, that may be punishable for harming somebody without um, or vaccinating people without um, effective consent but it's in line with the uh, strategic disorientation destabilization confusion um, attempted across the board we might add that uh, in the us uh, the uh, vaccine by biontech pfizer which has only a, a emergency uh, license uh, it has been said that uh, it is fully licensed now we took a look at that with mike yaden and other colleagues and um, the following transpires biontech is one company pfizer is a different one two uh, both manufacture a nearly identical uh, vaccine as they call it we know that it isn't um, that it's only a genetic uh, experiment um, uh, pfizer makes um, its own preparation in the us and there is a real 
license for BioNTech, but it's not available there. And there is an extension of the emergency use authorization uh, for Pfizer, and Pfizer is being uh, injected because it's available. So at the end of the day, that means that the vaccine that is being used right now, there is no final license. And that means that nobody can be obliged to submit themselves to uh, such a treatment. The emergency use authorization has uh, the benefit that Pfizer believe that they are uh, exempt from liability because there are the immunity issues that are governed by law. We say uh, that can't be the case because we can prove that this is a deliberate um, damage, um, so there can be no immunity. But formally, um, splitting these two um, vaccines um, is only designed to confuse the population. So the government creates the um, impression that what's being vaccinated now is uh, licensed because what has been licensed is the um, uh, what's been authorized is only the um, Pfizer, the uh, sorry, the BioNTech uh, vaccine. It's not the Pfizer vaccine. So. Um, People aren't fooled by that anymore. Uh, it doesn't work here either anymore because uh, in the radio this morning, that's 61% uh, at 61%, the vaccination rate has stalled and they can uh, offer as much ice cream or uh, raffles for uh, automobiles as they want. It just won't get more. And that's rightly so. More and more frequently, we get the question that we will discuss in more detail next time around of what are we going to do if our employer tries to oblige us to get a vaccination? The legal situation is crystal clear, but we can only keep repeating that the legal situation is always crystal clear. Um, including the distancing requirements, the mask requirements. Uh, there is no legal foundation for uh, any of those measures. Uh, they have only been in imposed on the basis of uh, fraudulent claims, as we've shown here with the help of two uh, former WHO uh, consultants, we were able to establish that the only foundation for the declaration of the public health emergency of public uh, of international concern is this test uh, developed by Mr. Drosten, um, because the way it was uh, used on top of its being in incapable of uh, proving or disproving uh, the existence of coronaviruses in the first place, but uh, the way it was actually used, it will pr give only false positives. And uh, that is uh, therefore fraudulent. And that's what the planners of the pandemic were planning to do from the get-go, i.e. to create an international emergency, a health emergency, in order to be able to 
use untested vaccines in humans. So there is, in other words, no foundation for the vaccines or for all, uh, for any of the other measures because there is no foundation for anything, only fraudulent, uh, incorrect claims by the governments that we must expect that they have long ceased to be the governments of the people. And uh, we've heard a number of different uh, contributions in that vein by uh, different historians and other uh, contributors um, indicating that the World Economic Forum, the um, most evil institution of all, it seems, has um, a um, academy for young global leaders uh, and there's a number of um, or among those um, graduates of the class of 92 were Ms. Merkel and Mr. Gates. And we can see that uh, numerous people who are in uh, positions of leadership with fake CVs and enabled to uh, engage in real discussions, they can only uh, regurgitate what they've been told. So Justin Trudeau from Canada, uh, Mr. Kurz from Austria, Macron from France, etc., etc. They're all um graduates from this um, private academy uh, if you wish of evil so we will speak about this question in more detail because we will have a more in-depth legal evaluation of the situation when these two colleagues are back but we can summarize by saying that it's all illegal it's all unconstitutional the decision by the um, local court of Weimar on the 8th of April that the measures taken against one or two children uh, that were taken against children who, uh, well, the uh, mass social distancing, um, PCR tests, is everything is illegal because there is no factual foundation for everything because it was found um, via a, um, an expert's opinion the pcr test can't determine um, an infection and if it if that um, can't be determined then we don't have a pandemic the masks are dangerous particularly for children because the co2 uh, level behind the mask is seven times in excess of the legal limit then the massive uh, formation of fungi you inhale that as well and uh, psychologically mentally they're extremely dangerous to children the extent of what has been uh, created here uh, will have to be seen in the future and this uh, uh, judgment has not been repealed so it's not been touched on the merits it has been uh, touched because the judge who did his job there um, uh, was supposedly not competent to uh, sit in this uh, sort of matter. Uh, other courts have found that, of course, he was competent. Um, so it has been squashed not on the merits, but because of a question of competence, uh, competency or not. And of course, we've seen that there was a political reaction immediately on the foot of this judgment um, against the judge who only did his job um, 
by contrast to what many others do, who simply execute what the uh, government wants, that um, his office, his car, his home were searched on the basis of a search warrant, his mobile phone, his computer were um, confiscated. Uh, he got it back because he uh, got a good um, lawyer, but the signal that was sent out um, was well received, not only in Germany, but internationally. If you uh, actually impose the law, if you do your job, then uh, you don't need to um, hope that your career will, will flourish. So it's impossible. Under existing law, it is impossible to force anyone to accept a vaccination, um, a vaccine that hasn't been tested, that's not been authorized, and that has numerous side effects, oftentimes lethal uh, side effects. That is legally impossible, legally a no-no. Nevertheless, it is uh, attempted to convince people that this is possible with such uh, tricks as we've um, seen from the US here. People have been hoodwinked into believing these things, but uh, we are agreed now that um, even if the courts of law will not set things to order again, hopefully what we do and what many others do will help uh, enlighten people and hopefully, at the end of the day, the court of public opinion will decide, as the Americans say. So people who are connected already now, who have got together at a certain level, uh, to which the other side has no access, um, these people have to rise. And when the court of public opinion has taken its decision, then the court of justice will follow. It's always been like that. But I do believe that our courts will um, be the ones that follow uh, the leaders' uh, um, requirements longer than all others. Well, still, if we remember what Professor Desmond told us, who, from my opinion, did a very uh, intelligent analysis, and he highlights that in a situation where we tend to go down a slippery road towards a totalitarian state, it's important that the voice of the other side, the voice of humanity or rule of law, is maintained. And in that light, I see the activities that are taking place in front of the courts currently, um, because these uh, claims that should be made have to be made, because it will create and uh, keep the discussion amongst the judges alive, although it may not be very fruitful directly, but I think if the table turns, the judges will turn, and uh, it's important to use gaps that may still be there. At this point, I'd like to come back to the photo um, activities that we've seen. And in Germany, you have to make sure that there are limits that can be, um, there could be copyright issues, there could be things that um, protect the people if you take photographs of the people, so um, uh, it may be required that these photos be deleted. So um, if uh, a crime is in progress, this may be different, but that could be seen differently now 
So, for example, if in a spontaneous rally you are in a bus, you can document it on the area, on the estates, but that shouldn't be shared straight away. Uh, but you should keep these photos for yourself in order to use them later on if there is a suspicion of a crime. Um, you shouldn't film inside the bus because that is, of course, then a closed area, closed off area, and that's not allowed in Germany to film inside somebody else's property. But as long as the pictures are not published, it is not uh, relevant criminally. And in the context of a rally, it is not necessary to delete the pictures. So that's important to know. Um, we published an article on 2020 News today so um, that people can read up and see if um, there is a rally to be held at this kind of place. Meanwhile, Wolfgang has joined us. Hello, Wolfgang. There's a long delay. Maybe uh, to make sure that Bernie from Australia won't leave us. Maybe we can um, start a discussion of what we were going to um, uh, talk about today. We said that on the uh, background, uh, on the basis of the uh, difficult situation that experts have uh, announced uh, for the fall and winter, um to take some action because we can say oh uh, watch it there will be autoimmune reactions and thrombosis and all in the fall and winter and not take any action so we said that we would establish at least one specialized hospital um, specializing in the uh, side effects of the vaccines it's not enough of course to buy a building and declare it a hospital you need a concept for it so we wanted to discuss this Yes, um, I'm happy to share what I thought about. It's getting more and more, I get more and more inquiries of what people can do and how they can see whether the so-called vaccination have made any change, if there's any damage done. Many people feel it, some um, get better after a while, but they don't know whether it's going to come back. They don't know what is inside the different uh, vaccines, um, how this gene uh, technology works and how it, uh, if it has a short-term effect or maybe a long-term effect, maybe the effects come back later on and maybe reactivated. It's quite unknown. We have two different types on how this mRNA is brought into the cells. One is the nanoparticles and the other is uh, the use of virus vectors. So it's viruses that have been changed genetically and um, these viruses, um, and we are infected with the vaccination with these viruses. Um, allegedly they uh, cannot um, they cannot uh, multiply in the body, um, but it is doubtful whether this is really the case or whether they can actually replicate, like polioviruses could 
Um, we've seen that in the past that people who were vaccinated with an inactive vaccination, um, then the viruses came back alive and um, they uh, transferred it to others. And uh, what the body does with that nucleic acid and the genetic information is not been observed sufficiently and we have to be alert and vigilant here and um, hope, uh, expect the worst. If we talk to people and uh, listen to people who are vaccinated, then there is quite a lot of different reactions not only with respect to the fear that uh, they may have an effect but there is many who have been through it or who have had family members who have had a negative effect and they want to know what can i do can i get rid of it or not and here we have made some recommendations saying that uh, one should be careful one should have certain exams uh, done to detect the effect of the spike proteins which will be developed in the body and uh, find it out uh, by uh, detecting the uh, blood clotting parameters, uh, the thrombocytes, which are the small blood uh, particles that uh, stick together the blood when uh, you have a wound. They close it and the dedimers, um, these uh, come from the fibrin and uh, that organizes the uh, blood clotting. And both of it can be detected in the blood and uh, we have a scheme prior and after the vaccination of these values change pure thrombocytes because uh, they are used by blood clotting or if there is an increase of the dedimers, uh, these are signals that indicate that um, there are thromboses. The microthrombosis are not notable always, and in the uh, cases that we've had, we've had doctors observing this, and here the, uh, the figures is about uh, 30 to 70% of vaccinated people who have excess laboratory values that is quite disturbing and uh, we have others that observe and cover the um, technique used for the vaccination if um, the uh, if the vaccine goes into the uh, muscle uh, in the past the um, one checked whether the uh, needle went into a vein or an other um, to see if uh, the vaccine only goes into the flesh and uh, now this is not done anymore the who stopped this procedure and um, it was asked the doctors were asked how often um, the vaccine is directly put into the veins and um, the figure is 10 percent here and then of course the blood goes straight to the lung and spreads throughout the body immediately wherever it's low uh, the nanoparticles or the adenoviruses depending on the vectors that are used are then uh, applied to the cells directly and can create the spikes and that's what the symptoms uh, what, what causes symptoms so there is different risks which are unpredictable 
We can't know where um, the needle stops, if it's inside the vein or not. If you don't ask para as a doctor, then you can't know. So that is something that is important to do exactly, especially with this vaccination, because the consequence if the spikes are in the vessel walls, that is uh, highly toxic and that um, is what creates lots of thrombosis wherever, depending on where it is. <clears throat> I've prepared a scheme that one should follow. I don't know if Corbin can show it on the screen. I could take you through it following the data. If not, I have it as a file and I can show it on my screen. I have a question. This D-dimer increase, um, does, is, that, is there some data after which time this decreases again? The D-dimers, as long as the thrombus grows, um, it blocks a vessel um, and then these uh, thromboses will grow. It's like a traffic jam on the road, really. And when it organizes, then the DDMRs are there, uh, the thrombosis, uh, the, the clotted area is practically the basis for measuring it later on, and uh, probably it's weeks. Uh, it fades away slowly, but that depends on the throngs, really. But that means if it uh, recedes, but the thrombus is there, then the person always is at risk of the thrombus uh, getting loose and uh, blocking something. Yes, if it's micro thrombus, it depends on where they are. Um, so the liver, the lung um, can absorb a part of these. Uh, and if they block, there is still enough capacity in these organs, and if it grows for the lung, if it, um, people note it when they do bodily physical exercise, um, so you don't always notice it. In some organs, small trauma will be noticed in the spine, in the brain, for example. Here, everything is so close and so sensitive that there is, um, nothing, no, no diversions for the blood. So here the other is important and if there is a clotting there, then the symptoms are quicker and they stay, they're permanent, they don't uh, fade away. So the symptoms, depending on where these um, thrombosis exists, uh, is different. So that means if you have this increase, uh, you have to be very careful to make sure you you shouldn't feel safe there's a little bit of headache and that's it but yes there should be an algorithm or a guideline of what to do in what case what the symptoms what's the values and one has to check other values as well there's laboratory values that tells you what um, what broke um, if it's in the liver it's certain enzymes that we see there's issues with the heart it's a different different values, the myocarditis, um, it's other enzymes that are in the blood that can be found and measured, and this indicates the organ that may be affected. 
And that's part of the diagnostics approach. And I maybe I could take you through the papers. Is that okay? The file seems to have arrived in a well with a defect. Um, can you share your screen with us? I can't. I can't share my screen at the moment. Maybe the operators could allow me to share my screen. Well, we can see you have to do it yourself. If you can, by releasing your screen, sharing your screen. Okay, I can share my screen now. Great. I think you see the word file. And all of this is a practical sketch on checking it, uh, on checking um, uh, side effects uh, after SARS-CoV-2 infections. We have the different uh, vaccines that are used in Germany, and here we have the death. Uh, these are the deaths um, of people under 65 and the different things. So one is unclear. Unexpected death, people just uh, die, drop down dead. And that's strange because there's little pathology going on here and little postmortems of people who should have lived longer. Uh, that's strange that these uh, things are not inspected, that there is such a long column here without any unrest. Um, that could be done by diagnostics. And then we have. Um, uh, a stroke, um, which is uh, uh, thrombosis, embolies, embolies. Uh, we have um, breath insufficiencies, uh, which um, is caused by microthrombosis in the lungs. So all of these are uh, um, thrombosis, blood clotting may be the reason, the name is different, uh, insufficiency of uh, respiration and um, so shortness of breath we have um, blood problems so that means um, circulation problems and uh, problem of um, of congelation the congelation disorders and we have the clotting of the small veins. Um, we've had uh, heavy cases, thrombosis in the legs and so on. And if the thrombocytes are used, and we see that in the laboratory examination, we have a um, exasperation. The blood clotting is not okay because the clotting is um, used up and uh, that may lead to bleeding and um, the blood pellets are used up and that may cause excessive bleeding in other organs and that again may lead to a stroke and um, so there may be different reasons for that and that of course may lead to unconsciousness in these cases COVID-19 of course uh, as part of it that's the positive test then with the diagnosis and um, there is uh, shaking and collapses um, problems with the central nervous system also important here um, uh, circulation blood circulation uh, collapse and uh, um, uh, heart rhythm 
um, cardiac arrhythmias, arrhythmias, pneumonia is a different uh, uh, thing of what we've uh, had. If part of the lung is not uh, supplied with blood, that easily leads to pneumonia. Uh, part of the uh, lung is blocked and then it inflames because the lung, of course, is always in contact with the environment and possible bacteria. And uh, the, that may lead to prosen to pneumonia and so on. It also may lead to a sepsis, that means bacteria in the blood. What we see here, a lot of cases, is the clinical studies have shown this, that in the uh, monitor groups, there is fewer abdomen infections. Um, and one of the most uh, difficult is the appendicines. Um, although I expect this is not a normal appendicine, but uh, the appendix with a lymphatic organ um, can be targeted easily. Um, by these um, uh, vaccines and the vectors and the nanoparticles, and that will cause an infection by the spike uh, development in the um, blood vessels of the intestines. And uh, uh, we've had this uh, story here. Um, where nearly the uh, whole of um, the... So the appendix is a place where this may occur easily, and the clinical research has shown that this was uh, uh, significantly increased, also during the short time of observation already, and um, unfortunately there's no histologic um, examinations of this. I took a patient to a hospital um, uh, with that um, effect and I asked uh, to do a histology with that patient from the hospital. They didn't do it. Um, they are a vaccination center and all the staff is vaccinated and they simply don't look at the, uh, the points. You said earlier that these uh, thrombi uh, could lead to uh, loss of function in uh, in the brain, the heart, the liver, um, and the, the kidneys. Those are four organs that can't repair themselves. As far as I know, there's a fifth uh, organ. The uh, kidneys, maybe one, and... Uh, the spleen also maybe um, that's affected and so that's uh, the intestines are an issue here uh, so that can go through the whole of the abdominal area um, so there's defects in the intestine walls and there is um, Dentists and others who work with endoprotesis um, showing that there is inflammations here and they found coli bacteria, coli bacteria, and the explanation is that um, they are caused by a sepsis. Usually they are inside the intestines, and if the intestine wall is um, perforated, 
the coli bacteria get into the blood and that leads to um, infections and uh, in the uh, could be in the tabs and the hips I've heard about this as well now with these four organs no repair is possible um, and that's Im important or there was a fifth I forgot about it there are organs that can recreate tissue depending on the age um, I can only uh, advise all smokers if they um, until the mid-twenties the lung can uh, recover after that it doesn't do so anymore and if you smoke before that you make sure that you can't uh, develop so many bubbles inside the lung and that of course is difficult and so if you damage your lung before your mid-twenties uh, then uh, then this there may it may recover the tissue grows and uh, then the um, tissue grows around the damaged area and there is an emphysema and um, opens the, the holes in the around the scar and uh, the liver is something similar it's a bit of a luxury organ where we have a lot of capacity it's a chemical chemist uh, factory creating uh, proteins um, storing proteins so it has an important function it's a big organ you may know that for example you can transplant it um, alive if somebody from your family suffers from a liver problem because they've eaten fungi and uh, then somebody with a similar tissue can uh, have a, uh, for a transplant donated for a transplant so that's um, one of the lobes of the liver can be um, replaced. So we only notice very late. Um, we have two kidneys, by the way. If one of them is damaged, the other one will take over. So, but for example, we only have one brain, and it's not possible there, and the heart can't do that. The central nervous system is not possible, and in the intestines, uh, that's a long tube, so to say, and that can't be interrupted if a part is missing. Only the uh, surgeons can um, uh, sort together, and then the function is reduced. Could be an important part with important vitamins being absorbed there, and uh, that has to be substituted, and the person is very well, very much um, restricted. Just to demonstrate what we're talking about, and we can. Um talk about what can we do in concrete terms we were going to build a hotel sorry and before such a hospital can be built we were going to uh, install a hotline maybe with uh, different uh, staff with different people experts of course doctors if somebody has a, a problem and they suspect that it's on the basis of a vaccination to have at least a GP available. Now let's take a couple, look at a couple of uh, examples for neurological losses on the one hand, and for these uh, for the uh, bleedings um, on the other hand. Both examples I think are from the US. That's videos number two and three. 
Ich habe überall geplatzte Blutgefäße, überall hier, am Arm, an den Beinen, überall. Das ist kein besonders schöner Anblick. Da habe ich vier auf dieser Seite und auf der anderen Seite auch, hier an der Lippe. Ich hab, äh, bin schon bei zwei Ärzten gewesen und die konnten mir beide nichts sagen. Die haben mich an Spezialisten äh, verwiesen. Da sitze ich jetzt im Wartezimmer und hoffe, dass man mir da was sagen kann. So, these are severe disorders of the central nervous system. Welcome. So these are the things in real, if you see them, what you've just uh, described, uh, disorders of the central nervous system. The, the motor functions are affected. Normally we can uh, move our limbs very minutely. We can um, move our uh, fingers uh, with great precision, and they can't do that anymore. They can't make any um, targeted movements anymore. Coordination of the movements is possible. And if that is um, that coincides with a uh, shaking um, movement there, if you always have the antagonist uh, kicking in as well, and then uh, you can't. Uh, coordinate things anymore and it takes a long time it's really a question of whether rehab will be able to fix this well if you imagine that these probably were fully healthy people who got their, their freedom back with the first uh, example i i'm not sure whether this was hemorrhage in the uh, mucus tissue um, it looked like that from a distance and that might of course, uh, a symptom of a, uh, a coagulation, and she might have microthromboses uh, elsewhere. This would have to be looked at in detail, and uh, dermatologists would have to take a closer look at this as well. I would like to go into a few uh, uh, graphs, uh, speaking about that there are some uh, core pathomechanisms uh, that occur again and again with different symptoms uh, first of all the micro uh, thromboses with changing uh, symptoms depending on target and distribution of the injected uh, substances i.e does it go into the muscle and stay there or does it go into the bloodstream and, and is distributed and this is why we have these different uh, damage uh, damages then there are uh, immune reactions which are uh, due to the fact that the spike proteins um, 
are presented in the vessels uh, to the immune uh, cells that uh, pass it, that then attack the uh, walls uh, of the vessels, um, and that at the same time uh, create uh, antigens or act as antigens, and that's uh, the idea of the vaccination. And uh, it's not done by the uh, by the uh, uh, cells that uh, create um, that attack the spikes, but the ones that uh, remove the spikes. The antigen uh, antibodies should actually cover um, the spikes. Unfortunately, the antibodies are incomplete. They're not neutralizing. At least there's the risk. It's a very high risk. And in the uh, past um, vaccination experiments with uh, COVID-SARS viruses, that's what we had. So if we have antibodies that are incomplete, because the virus itself is incomplete, we're only talking about the spikes uh, that are presented. It's only part of the virus. And antibodies against these spikes are uh, generated, are created. But the question is whether these antibodies are sufficient to attack an entire virus, um, to cover it to the extent that they can penetrate into the cell. If they don't do that, it might actually facilitate their penetration into the cell that they uh, um, multiply even faster in the cell so that you have an explosive uh, growth of these cells um, in natural contact. And that's our worry now for the fall, for the winter, that people might get infected uh, with, uh, they might have a, um, get into contact with any coronavirus. It doesn't matter which one, because there's similar spikes. And if they manage to penetrate deeply, uh, more deeply into the body, that they're not stopped in the nose, as usually is the case, but that they trigger a uh, more serious infection that they can penetrate more deeply into the body then it can happen that there is a false alarm that the immune system kicks in uh, into action and um, if you've ever had an anaphylactic shock or an, a, a very severe allergic reaction then you know what this means and your entire system is uh, on high alert, but it's not like uh, with pollen or with uh, people who are allergic to certain substances. Those are re uh, reactions of the body, um, uh, which can then uh, lead to failure. It's the so-called cytogenic storm. Um, this can happen because coronaviruses are inhaled and that can lead to very severe immune reactions and it can result in uh, lung failure or failure of other organs. That's one thing, the thrombi, then the immune reaction, and then there can be immune reactions that are caused by the ancillary uh, substances, the um, um, collagen uh, AGE. Uh, and there can be extremely um, serious um, reactions if this is injected into the body. And uh, we've heard cases where um, it is, um, it has been suspected that um, the heart may be modified. Then the next 
risk is the myocarditis, the pericarditis. And we can see this graph now, these are the reports, and we can see that for the various products, AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson here, and these are Moderna and Pfizer. Those are the mRNA uh, vaccines, or so-called vaccines, that are uh, injected with lipid nanoparticles, uh, and they seem to um, trigger this myocarditis in a very pronounced way. You can see an, a frightening increase of uh, figures here, particularly for males. The number of uh, these myocarditis cases are spiking, and this is recognized that it is one of the side effects of these preparations. It's always said, well, if it is a real corona infection, this can happen as well, and that's why you have to accept this. That's true. Uh, according to many uh, studies that we've seen, uh, such um, consequences can result from um, uh, and from corona uh, infections or influenza uh, infections. And I like to use this example again and again. Uh, Mr. Seehofer knows what I'm speaking about, the uh, John Minister of the Interior, who uh, was out of the out for the count for a while because he did have um, um, this kind of thing happening to him. Um, these this kind of thing has always happened, and this is why you shouldn't work hard when you have a an influenza, or if you have a feverish infect, uh, uh, infection, you should uh, stick to the bed, uh, particularly for young people. It can lead to uh, permanent damage of the heart or other organs. Many myocarditis uh, heal off, but heart tissue that has been lost will not be replaced. The remaining heart tissue can be trained, but it can lead to arrhythmia. Um, the heart is a very complex organ, and uh, the um, uh, impulse conduction in the heart needs to be uh, maintained. If, if that is affected, it can, uh, can be very serious. It can lead to uh, death. Myocarditis um, relatively frequently is lethal. And uh, also, uh, the pericardium can also get infected. Um, and if um, there is an effusion in this uh, pericardium, then uh, this effusion will displace the heart, and um, people suddenly can't breathe anymore, and um, they lose a lot of uh, energy. Uh, you can see it uh, as a um, bag of liquid around the heart. Uh, I've seen that in a case of tuberculosis at one stage, uh, which resulted in myocarditis. So I simply um, spiked it and I uh, removed um, the liquid, the effusion, and the uh, patient was able to breathe immediately again. That was quite impressive. It was a bit daring to do this but I was able to um, save uh, a number of lives that way. So these um, pericardiac um, effusions can easily be seen with uh, ultrasonic devices, and you can, um, um, of course, uh, open them. 
outcome. And um, it's very difficult to see uh, whether uh, these um, symptoms are caused by um, the vaccine, by uh, the, uh, the disease. There are the ACE, uh, ACEs in uh, the heart. Um, what's really happening here uh, is unclear. We have way too little pathological research here. Um, we don't know what the uh, myocardial uh, myocarditis, uh, the cause of myocarditis. You have to actually uh, puncture the heart in order to examine it. Um, that's not done very frequently. But um, this kind of examination would um, help us uh, see more clearly. Wolfgang, we are a bit uh, behind schedule with our Australian guest. Uh, he's passed off the midnight already. Well, I'll, I'll uh, cut it short, but I want to make my point. You need uh, imaging um, procedures such as sonography, X-ray, CT, MRT, etc., in order to diagnose this kind of thing. You have to have a good uh, laboratory uh, with uh, blood picture and uh, coagulation diagnostics, uh, thrombocytes and dedimers, etc. You need a, a laboratory values uh, to determine uh, organ damage um, if the ovaries are damaged, for instance, or if something happens in the brain that hormonal uh, control is affected, etc. We need functional diagnostics in order to determine loss of function uh, of the lung, the heart, etc. Uh, so you need um, diagnostics um, um, by internal uh, medicine. You need immunological uh, diagnostics in order to see how the immune system is affected. That's very important for uh, therapy, whether cortisone has been triggered or not. Uh, same goes for coagulation. It's very important what you do there. There's a guideline from the UK, which is very nice um, in this context, uh, what to do with the microthrombosis, uh, um, what you can do or what you can't do. It's a guideline that I translated back into German and I, uh, that I'm happy to make available. It's important to have pathological uh, examination of uh, tissues from uh, live people and from people um, who have died. Um, so sometimes it's a bit late, of course, when, when it's a post-mortem, but uh, if it's with live people, it might be helpful. Wolfgang, our Australian guest is waiting and he asked to be on the line in a minute, so please keep it short. Okay. So the risk, it's important to uh, judge the risk of the ADE problem uh, problems and that's why I thought about what can be done here and there are other uh, topics that need to be uh, looked at indication of uh, the um, pathogen uh, differential diagnostics um, so our virus isn't alone that there is interaction and competition but or synergies between various uh, 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 pathogens, um, rather than looking only for coronaviruses, and in the meantime, something else is happening altogether. And an important um, topic is the sh shedding issue, i.e., these vector uh, vaccines. 
Once the uh, protection is lost, the adenoviruses can spread. Um, so the people who have uh, received vector vaccines may actually uh, pass this on. Wolfgang, we have to cut you short here, unfortunately. We're going to lose our guest if we don't. So we are started a little late anyway. I think next time we'll have more opportunity to go down into detail and it's going to be more means to uh, take effective resistance, but it's more important. Well, I can uh, basically come up with my own uh, thing so people can look at it. Uh, if you're more interested in political issues, that's a medical thing. I could have make a video um, that you can uh, link, uh, put a link to. document that you prepared. It would be great if you could share that with us. Okay. Well, I can do that. We can discuss it here and provide it and share it if people have problems. Well, because you said it yesterday, I uh, looked at it in, in detail and spent the night. We'll come back to it next time. Uh, if we um, schedule our time better, no way, no problem. It's most important here, if what uh, turns out, what we fear, we have to know what, how to address it. It's not a legal issue, it's a medical issue. And I think people need advice here. And what I've uh, found out by now, I would like to uh, show it in a, a longish sort of a video. And there are good videos all right, uh, around already that uh, look at in the individual aspects that I've mentioned. Right. Okay. Have good fun. Thank you, Wolfgang. We'll come back to it. Wolfgang, Wolfgang uh, will you be uh, around when Willem Engel uh, will be with us? Okay. Good. Bernie, Bernie, can you hear us? I can hear, yes. So sorry, uh, we started uh, late, there were problems on the road. I, I uh, arrived late as well because in Germany the trains are on strike, so we had to take a car. That took longer. No problem. Let me let us introduce you. You are an entrepreneur, a YouTuber. You have been living in Australia for many years. And for months, you have been reporting on the corona situation and circumstances in Australia. I've just seen a video from you that I, I wanted to check if this is really verified, where you reported a short video on some uh, dog all the dogs were killed is that true that's verified uh, by three different newspapers by abc it was also documented uh, it was only five seconds but yes it was in new south wales that's a state in um, australia and uh, we have pounds here where the dogs are uh, taken when they're caught out in the wild and then uh, people can adopt these dogs and it was uh, decided went to a parliament then the people who uh, were responsible were to be uh, taken to justice they decided that the uh, dogs were to be shot all of them 
so that um, they're not at danger of um, uh, spreading the uh, virus. So that's verified. Well, that would mean that they didn't want people to go anywhere because if I pick up a dog from a pound, I can I don't have to come in a group uh, without meeting anybody, could I? Well, I think I've been reporting about this for 18 months since this started. And um, I haven't been able to come back to Germany. I've been living here for 24 years. What's have what's been happening over the last few months is really grave. Everything is uh, tightened. Everything that could be fun is being prohibited. I think that's what it's all about. So the helpers who work in those dog pounds, they were mentally distraught. They didn't know what to do. They were just told, oh, no, you don't need to come. Uh, the dogs are all dead and they had all installed all the uh, COVID hygiene measures to for the dogs to be picked up. It was all safe. There were no problems. That's why there was such an outcry outside of the media as well that it was taken to court. Crazy. Absolute madness. Um, so what's the situation in Australia now? How many Corona mortalities do you have? <laughs> That's a good question. As I said, I have an economic background. I have a diploma in uh, economics in Brisbane. Uh, I'm a personal trainer. I love facts, but I can't get the facts. I can give you the figures um, from today for Australia, the public uh, figures, the, the governmental figures that I um, cast into doubt. If you uh, uh, fall out of the sky with a parachute and you get killed if you're a corona dead uh, we have 8254 dead we have 26 uh, million inhabitants and many people uh, get tested once or twice a week and we've had 0.2.02 percent uh, of uh, um, people um, who got killed um, in Australia, we have different uh, territories. In my state, we have 6.2 million people. And yesterday, somebody died. And it was said on TV, some, one person died. In Victoria, this was the first person who died since last October. Nobody died since then. No, we had nobody in the ICU department in Victoria. Incredible. But in New South Wales, in another state further north, they have more than a thousand cases, what, which means nothing really. And about 100 or 150 people died in the last month. As I said, the figures aren't quite correct anymore because uh, there's a lot of nonsense done with these figures, but 1,086 people have died altogether all over uh, Australia of the coronavirus. Do, do you say corona or what do you say? We, we can say everything here. Uh, I think if we are censored on YouTube where we don't care, it doesn't play a role anymore. We are moving to new platforms and uh, for us on the website you can say everything and it's all there in my Telegram channel as well. So we can be candid. Yes, so how much? 1,300 altogether? 1,083 
And another uh, page, oh, another website says 1,086 of uh, deaths since mass, uh, March last year. So without verifying with or uh, um, because of Corona, right? No postmortems, no. Uh, for myself and my family, my wife is a certified nurse. My uh, uh, daughter works for the flying doctors. I have six or seven people um, in uh, among my acquaintances who work in the hospitals. So the information I am giving you tonight is verified. It could be 1,083 or 1,086. But the um, life expectancy is between uh, 84 and 87 years. I think that's important to know because the uh, average uh, life expectancy, sorry, is 82. And the people who died of Corona were between 84 and 87. So that corresponds exactly to what we've heard from all of the countries so far. There are similar figures from New York. We've looked at the hotspots, uh, New York, for example, where they thought, well, now everybody died of Corona from Bergamos, and again and again in Sweden, 85% um, died of other causes in New York and Bergamo, 96% due to different causes. Uh, it's obvious and it's a no-brainer for us by now, after we've talked about over 150 different experts from all walks of life uh, and countries. Of course, this is not a pandemic. It's something completely different. It doesn't, it's not about health at all. Now that you mentioned the US, I have real estate in Las Vegas and I have a tax number. I have a lot of contacts in the US. And I spend uh, a couple of months, sometimes six months in the US every year, uh, which isn't possible now anymore. I used to have a um, an acquaintance in New York. Um, there was this Elmhurst uh, hospital, which was the hotspot and a an acquaintance of mine. Uh, two days after the media spoke about uh, or showed the queues outside the hospital, he went there. Uh, with his camera and he showed me the A&E department there were two people in it and he said Bernie two days ago they said there were these uh, queues of people um, places cordoned off and and uh, motorcades of um, uh, funeral cars etc so I don't believe I don't know what to believe anymore I will only believe verify things where I was in the hospitals where I can see what happened I can give you one example and I might run into problems with that. There is a, a hospital in uh, Australia called Box Hill. Uh, 16 months ago, it was said um, there was a study by the uh, Melbourne uh, University. Uh, in April, the study was performed, and in July and uh, uh, June and July uh, of last year, 150 to 160,000 people would die, no matter what we do. And um, we had this Voxil uh, hospital and it was called the Corona Station, uh, the Corona Ward. And I know somebody who worked there. And if you think about how many people, how many patients they had, not one. This ward was closed seven months ago because they didn't have a single patient. And as I said, in Victoria on the ICU, we didn't have a single 
patient anymore. Now we have a few people on the ICU two or three weeks ago, it started again. Uh, some people are on the ICU, uh, the ICU department. We don't know why, though. Um, previously, the official figures by the government, not a single patient, zero. And I'm only reporting about Australia now. There was not a single person on the ICUs. That matches what we've heard. Surely you've heard that the big German newspaper, Bild Zeitung, um, reported how news was fake on the uh, few ICU beds. Um, one of them went to a hospital, which apparently was chaotic. Uh, they walked through the aisles and they were absolutely 100% empty. Nothing exactly, exactly what happened here. Lots of different things. So by now, we at least here get to the conclusions, and that includes others, about 40% in the population of psychology professor told us who are addressable. They are on the fence, so to say, don't know what's going on, but they don't trust the government. This is the information that we have to provide to these 40%, because in the end, and we've discussed this a number of times here, it's only going to be possible to stop this uh, show, which is quite a horror show, really, um, by the people raising up and saying enough is enough. And uh, that is like the other ones who can move things faster than so it's time that people grasp what's going on. And that's why we use these pictures and the films that we've just shown and um, make it apparent and visible what's going on as Wolfgang has told us and also the repetitive um, hints that, that there's a big hype going on make sure that people understand at least those who are asking the question that they see the problem is not a virus it's the so-called vaccinations because they cause the diseases that Wolfgang Wolfgang has just explained to us What's the mood in Australia like? That's a very severe discrepancy between uh, the measures and the effects that we can see. Do people realize that or how do they react to that? Well, what I can say is of the past five months, as I couldn't travel, um, we bought uh, a state in Townsville, Queensland. So imagine this is Victoria, New South Wales, and at the top we have Townsville. So for the past five months we were there, and this is what I can say of the people are like in Townsville, Queensland, and here in Victoria. And uh, if I hear 40%, I don't know that would uh, be Australia. It's many, many less. The mood is nearly, I don't want to be negative or positive, I'm just realistic and uh, that was good in my life so far. I think my, it's a task of pe people give up and uh, dump down, they become numb. I have been watching what's happening, Jekyll Islands, uh, the Bilderberg Group, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, I don't believe in that, but the reset is really done in Australia. And I think your work is great, what you're doing, but I have the impression it may be too late for Australia because the people don't get it. And the force of the police is too strong. People are afraid to speak openly about things. They are so 
focus on the mainstream um, two, three weeks ago, a 85-year-old lady uh, shouted at me because I wasn't wearing a mask and I'm telling her, why should I wear it? The particles are smaller than the mesh in the, in the, in the mask. It's not going to protect me and uh, just against blood and just spitting. Well, you're going to die and because of you, I'm going to die is what she said. She looked like she was 150, maybe she was only 85, but um, I told her, well, I have other information from alternative media. She says, young boy, do, are you not watching the TV? And in Australia, I'd say 80% or 85% of the people follow the mainstream. And it's there's one station, Sky News, it's called. They were good, but they are paid by Murdoch. And so in the boarding, um, they are in the boards of the pharmaceutical companies. They promote the vaccination now. So there's hardly an access to alternative media. And uh, so what I heard is catastrophe, it's disaster. I have a network here, a very good network in Australia and the people there are afraid. They say things to say things. I don't know if you've heard a few days ago, there was a law passed. Um, they tried to push it through since last year, which is identify and disrupt is the bill. And that was pushed through now. And it says that people like me, I could be uh, taken into custody on the suspicion that I may do something criminal. I get a lot of videos from people with background music and the police and the secret police finds out that I listen to the illegal music, that I have no copyright, then they can um, pick me up and that may subject me to custody and five years into prison. And I think 89% or 98% of the Australians have not heard of it. Maybe the ones who are listening now, check it up, identify that bill. It's been on the agenda for a year. It's passed now. It wasn't in the mainstream media. So it's a disaster. People run out for vaccination, whatever they tell them. The, it's, uh, it's, it's disaster. Many of my friends who have businesses, I have a training facility, 17 years, lots of contact. Very good friend who I know for 20 years have a, has a coffee shop. Uh, um, smoked, he sells smoked meat and uh, he opened um, four years ago. He had a drop of 80 to 85 percent in the turnover. He got the jab last year, last week. He's informed. I asked him why. He says, Bernie, I don't care. I want to live two years rather than not at all. That's the mood. Not everyone, but most of the people fully follow the plan and don't ask, and it's, it's horrible. We have full police uh, totalitarian state. How popular, or is there a social media or other voices of dissent? Uh, so that you, if you know about them, uh, can you find them? Because there's numerous new media uh, that have arisen that look into different aspects, uh, scientific analysis um, um, that happened here. Same happened in the US, in, in the UK. So didn't that happen in the, uh, Australia or are they so hidden that you can't really find them? 
very, very little. Telegram, for example, many people haven't heard about Telegram. They don't have the app on their phone or Rumble, BitChute, whatever. Very, very few people have heard of it. It's a very, very, very small group. As far as resistance is concerned, I, have, I picked this up in Queensland. Um, you may have heard this. Uh, Clive Brahma put this forward. Farmer response to the TGA. I don't know if you can read that. The TGA is the, like the RKA or the FDA. Um, on that on their page, they saw um, uh, 330 people died. Uh, he's a billionaire. I think it's great. He says what he thinks, but he is torn apart by the mainstream media, and that's the virus that we have the effect of it. Promo says what we say, what's verified with hundreds and thousands of people, medical experts, and he sent that to every home in Queensland and the media went crazy. Look at him, he doesn't know what he's talking about, he's a conspiracy guy, he has no right to talk about this, he has no medical background because he's got money. That was the point. That was the resistance that we had. The second was Greg Kelly, also a great guy. He tried to uh, do all the other things. He warned against it. He was torn apart as well by the media. And we got Pauline Hensel. She's the One Nation Party. And she also said that she's never going to have the jab or um, uh, people have to be volunteered to it. They can't be mandated. And she's torn apart as well. So very, very little resistance. I can't see how it can grow if things happen. The measures and the punishment. I did a video with a with someone three weeks ago. Um, he was from the church. Uh, he was Father Paul, and he he, he had a, an aquarium in front of his business. Uh, playing his guitar and singing songs and the police came with his disciple cycles and they wanted to close him down and he knew that he knew the policemen uh, he knew their names he said you were in my service when you were a small boy they just got out of it a week later father paul he opened again and the police took him away and from front of all his disciple he was taken in custody and arrested he says i only listen to the word of god and not of our minister in victoria he got a punishment because it was community it was commercial twenty thousand dollars and he said no he's not going to pay for it and he was arrested individual uh, one week alone they didn't even give the bible to him after the second week he came he was bailed out so that's what's happening in the media if you stand up against this regime you will be arrested we've got another guy avi from you great guy he uh, fights he gets uh, police visits um, before a rally telling him you're not going to go through the to the rally although he's got a press badge monica from Greenlight democracy in australia she was arrested two days ago because apparently she unrests people 
Uh, they followed him. She entices people, and uh, she was uh, stopped because he, she was further away than five miles from her home. No, it is because uh, in sinting people, she was arrested straight away. She was jailed, and uh, in the court, they, she uh, took a bail. She was offered a bail. Uh, condition on the condition that she should delete her channel uh, she's doing great work and she said I'm not signing to this and now she has to stay in jail so this is Australia currently in Victoria we're in lockdown and I, I can't get out at all you can walk five kilometers around your house if you have a reason to work medical care or if you want to go to the vaccination, you're allowed. You can even go further for the vaccination or sports. Sports is allowed five kilometers, and that was it. I have two stepkids. I'm, I'm mixing up the German and the English. Uh, my wife has two children, one of them in Bendigo, seven kilometers away. And for her to allow to, to visit us, we have to call intimate relatives um, so the intimate bubble um, that she can visit us the problem is i live here as well so it's two people in the household and that's not allowed so our daughter cannot visit us a bubble can only be one and one um, so you're single there and i'm single here i can tell you more of this um, it can't get worse no way so um, I'm open here. I don't care anymore. Uh, I, last year I got the first video in English and uh, the um, pregnant ballerette was uh, arrested. And I said, Andrew, come here. If, if the police is there, ring the door and uh, don't damage my home. Otherwise we'll be in serious trouble. I got life threats and uh, said, oh, well, um, saying I I uh, I just said told them uh, don't kick in my door. Um, so if uh, 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 we have two cars, somebody else comes to visit us, a third car. Um, we can hide the cars, of course, but um, so if the um, neighbors denounced us which is uh, motivated by the politician saying be a good australian if they see something suspicious call police so maybe comes over and the neighbors uh, give us away we have to pay over five thousand dollars per person because our daughter visits us i didn't quite understand you're the same family aren't you yeah, but you can only have one person in the bubble. If I would stay in Queensland, and my wife would be here alone, that would be a bubble with one person, and maybe in a house is one person in one bubble. So we are the intimate, intimate partners for her, but only one person of the household can be there, and one person join them. One, if you just described that's your stepdaughter, the daughter, the biological daughter of your wife. So if she were your joint daughter, would that be a different story then? No. No, that what? wouldn't be possible either. I can tell you, if you think things can't get worse, 
you may call me crazy. It's fact. It's fact. It's it's the law. Uh, I, my wife went over to see my daughter, to her daughter, and if they were to stop her, because it's more than five kilometers, she would get into problems. Although it's the intimate bubble, if it's a bad police guy, they could really create problems. Uh, because uh, it should only be five kilometers, and there's some exceptions, but the exceptions are you have to look every day what is possible, what's allowed, so what are the restrictions today? People say, I don't know, I don't know. Five kilometers today, can I have an hour of sports or two hours? So very, very confusing. I have to check in the internet all the time. Can I go to the supermarket or do I have to click and collect? Enters, try to uh, push it through for Victor. Enter, I call him my leader. He tried to I only allow us away a kilometer from home, um, only with a special permission. One kilometer he wanted, but he wanted to close all coffee shops, everything. He wanted to only have the supermarkets open. Construction companies were to close, the children's playgrounds closed, no basketball, nothing, skateboards, all of the clothes. And, well, these are the rules currently. Um, Tanya's second uh, child, her son lives in Melbourne, one and a half hours drive. We can't see him, it's illegal. Hard to believe. Uh, can I ask you, um, there was this lockdown last year, is that the crashest form of lockdown or is that uh, lockdown revisited from last year? Well, we've, we were in the sixth lockdown and we told us on the first one we've got one chance and then the virus will be eliminated <clears throat> and that was quite hard. Uh, the second lockdown was the big one where we had drones above the houses for nobody to have uh, football parties. Police and military came to check the doors to see if people are at home, if they are isolated. That was extreme, but I'd say currently it's a bit lighter. And the one before, we had a ring of steel around Melbourne. Melbourne, Greater Melbourne, it's called, was completely sealed off. Every road was police, military, with guns, nobody in or out. That's what we don't have at the moment, but we have a lockdown from um, 5 o'clock, from 9 to 5 in, at night. So now the only thing they don't have is uh, military, but they're trying to bring it in. An example that we didn't have last year, there, there was a, a party, why, why not? And people posted it on social media and Andrews was very cross with us. Um, he says, you bad children, you did the party and now we're going to have massive action. And they did that to prevent people to meet outside and have a drink after work. So, if you are outdoors and buy a drink, you have to wear your mask outside when you drink it. I don't drink alcohol, if you drink alcohol, so if I meet a friend, well, you think, what's going on? Uh, an example, last Friday I wanted to meet uh, my, my friend and um, he wants a beer, I have a coffee, 
He has to keep his mask on. He can't take it down if he has a beer to drink in. Me with a coffee, I can do so. So that's the law. It's facts. So I can't really sell you, tell you what's worse. Uh, both is extreme. And they play with us a little here, a little there. But I think um, the last weeks and months, we've passed massive things, but it could be worse. New South Wales, where Sydney is, is worse. They are very poor guys for weeks. What's happening there? Well, there were cases with the Delta variant, and we're told it's lethal. We are told the Delta variant is the middleest. And so, compared to the virus before, it can fly 30 meters in free air. You don't even have to be in the same room. If you are outside and there's somebody 30 meters away from you, that virus can fly over to you and kill you. And if you take it and pick it up and don't know, and you go home and you infect your grandchildren or your children, you kill them. Do you want to do that? That's what the news channels tell us. And people believe that crap? You can't tell us that. They do. They do. I can give you... Don't you have schools? Or can't they read? Don't they have any other way? Uh, don't they ask any questions? How long is this supposed to continue? Doesn't anyone want to know when this is over? Well, uh, that's what we're told. I'll give you examples. New South Wales yesterday had 1,000 cases. Uh, we had 32 and a half million people tested. The false positive. But New South Wales, all the tests, 0.2% of the tested are positive. So, uh, very, very low. But the fear is made, the lies repeated, the brief repeated again and again. If you switch your TV on, go vaccination, go for the vaccine. The only way out, then people follow it. They are told all the time, if you don't get vaccinated, we're not going to get out. We're going to have lockdown for years. We're going to have the measures for years. The only way out is vaccination. Of course, you want uh, whether wonder whether they have internet or not. Can't they check um, for Israel? Or, or can they see what's going on in America? They're coming up with a third third vaccination, finding out it's a lie. People think, are you vaccinated? As I said, if I I'm arrested, I don't care. I'm 51 years old. I do that for my children. I like to travel, but I can't. Okay. So, you hear, uh, I get vaccinated, yes, our oh, second one, yes, oh good, great, great stuff. Incredible, but there's one positive, when I was in Townsville, we redecorated the home, the electrician, 22 years old, great guy, we discussed it, we talked about it, five months ago, two year, two days later, masks. It's, it's like Miami. Um, uh, I, I wonder whether he, I asked the electrician whether you want to get vaccinated, he said, yes, I want to travel. I said, no, you're not. You're not going to travel anywhere. You, the, the, you can't travel. The vaccination in Australia is not approved for Europe, so you can't go. I told him, Nathan, forget it, New South Wales, everybody who's vaccinated two times has the same restrictions as the people who are not vaccinated. So he went home, checked it, and he told me, Bernie, I look what you told me. 
us. It's an absolute lie. We cancelled our appointment, my girlfriend and I, and we're not, go we're not going to get vaccinated. It's crap. We just want to do it for traveling. So people believe the lie. Absolutely. That's all but a horror show. Now, Australia is a huge country, a continent in its own right. You have 26 million inhabitants. Surely most of them live in major cities where you're basically trapped. But there are so many people who live out there and can't be reached by the authorities, can they? No. I would say 85% of the people live within a 100 kilometer range of the coast. So they've got big cities, Perth, Sydney, Melbourne, LA, Brisbane, where most of the people live. The small cities, 100 kilometers away from the coast and inland. My wife and I, we were in Townsland because my stepson planned his uh, um, wedding, 28 to We passed many villages. I've been everywhere in Australia. Lots of contacts. The police gets everyone. And people say, what about the outbacks? Can't you go there? Well, you want water, electricity and internet? People ask me, why go not go to the outback? What do I want there? There's nothing to eat. If you can eat a couple of plants, that's not a life for me. And most here, it's uh, similar like Frankfurt or Berlin, elsewhere. It's not worth the life. But the small cities get the news that the virus like Shepparton, it's um, half an hour's drive, there was one case and they felt that this guy came from Benigar and from here, although he was positive, he went to Shepparton, so Shepparton was completely closed off, all the population um, was um, to blame that person that was positive. That's the other thing that works, public shaming that people who were positive and do the wrong thing are, uh, are uh, accused publicly so that we are afraid my daughter my step my my wife is afraid <clears throat> for the media to blame him on us uh, so the virus is the media abc news that's the biggest virus in australia and nobody dares to speak up well that's very hard to imagine, but it's definitely a warning sign of what's happening in Australia because the people behind this all won't be happy to do it in Amer in Australia alone. I'm, I have to say I'm really surprised that Australia of all places uh, allows for this sort of thing in such a huge country with people who've always been famed for loving their freedom and now allow themselves to be incarcerated basically without any uh, without fighting back at all that they simply take the commands and don't question anything i wonder how come but we'll have to find out about that later uh, at some later uh, time We've had lawyers from Australia, uh, professors of law from Australia, uh, Tony Nicolich, one of them. Pardon? From, from the AFL? Not sure. Yeah, might be him, Tony Nicholas. Tony 
is the chairman of the FL, the uh, lawyers there. He was to court in the Supreme Court this morning. Right. Uh, he told us of one case which uh, was also um, shown on alternative media uh, where one of his clients was um, arrested and put into um, isolation. Uh, uh, he uh, was accused of hitting a horse. He only pushed the horse's head aside. He didn't hit it at all. It looked like the policeman was going to run him over with the horse. And he was put in solitary confinement. And um, his mother is not allowed to visit him. She has a heart condition, is not allowed to visit him. And uh, he's not allowed to see um, his own client because he's uh, refusing to uh, undergo a PCR test. So that's grotesque and it's way beyond anything um, to do with uh, the state of law. Uh, that's torture. At the same time, he said that there are increasingly large demonstrations in, I think Melbourne was one of the cities he mentioned, 35,000, which became 3,500 in the mainstream media, of course. Is that the way or is that uh, an incorrect representation? Well, I can say I was in Townsville. That was the second or third but last rally and um, there was resistance and there were celebrations because the police let the uh, the rally through that was celebrated big video uh, big uh, victory i did a video on that it was good but i can't be happy about it because um, they muted all the police and uh, military from new south wales so this is sticks and carrots really um, so everybody says it's great, that's the day of freedom. I was careful about this and I said I'd be happy if we were right, but it doesn't seem to be the case because the power was needed elsewhere, the police power. And I think the one but last in Melbourne as well, there was the rally in, in Sydney, the military was there, the police was there, and then they concentrated on Melbourne and the Melbourne rally was completely destroyed by the police. You may have seen so that people are shot up with rubber bullets. Um, and the punishment is $1, 000, uh, to $5,024 from 1,000 something. Everybody who participates for participating. Uh, I was in Benigo at the time to drive there, to go there. I can't drive further than five kilometers, so I can either go by train or by car. And there's only one road from Benigo to Melbourne, and the police had blocked it all, so there wouldn't be any way if the train arrives. There was hundreds, 150 policemen uh, who would have arrested us before, so the CCTV everywhere. So people know, the police knows, there's people in the train, they know how many are coming, they put cameras on the highways, they know how many cars are coming, everybody was stopped. And if you hadn't had a reason, didn't have a reason, you were arrested straight away, fined $5,024. And so the last time the demonstration here didn't grow, the rally was smaller because the police 
in uh, the um, uprun, they go to see the people, telling them, don't go, you're not going to report. They go to the um, 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 journalists, they tell them, um, they uh, say to the media that uh, the journalists will spread false news and they arrest them and people see that. So there's a few people and all of those who are uh, seeing this now, it's financial suicide really. I was on a couple of rallies, I don't know how effective it is, effective it is to go there and uh, sacrifice a day uh, on the road. I tell my viewers, I hope a lion is going to wake up uh, who takes us out. I don't think it's going to be God. I don't think it's going to be Trump because he moves money as well. But that's a different story. So I don't think the rallies will change much, not here in Melbourne. The punishment is so high. How often can you uh, be punished 5,000 um, euros with 350,000 people losing their jobs? Uh, so I think uh, we're going to get to the point if the people don't have enough food anymore. Until then, we're still too well off. And that's the problem. We're too well off. We're too rich. We have too much. And we have no weapons. We've got Polatha, the massacre here. And then history repeats. People say, okay, there was a massacre. Return your weapons. That's the right thing to do. And the uh, Australians are not like Cockatiel Dundee. They say, okay, fair enough. They return their, their weapons, their arms. So, we are friendly, we are very naive, we buy the mainstream media and we have no arms to fight back. And our streets are very minimalistic. There's not many options, not many ways to go anywhere. Only 26 million people, all these uh, families have been split up into pieces. We can't see our friends. So, uh, in nearly every state we've got the camps, uh, Victoria, um, in Queensland, Western Australia, and they're all proud of that. Capacity is 500,000 people. Anastasia uh, said in Queensland we can uh, ramp it up to 3,000. What kind of camps are they? Oh, it's, it's uh, a hotel quarantine, apparently. We, it's sold to tell, uh, it's sold as quarantines in uh, Andrews and the uh, minister at the airport wanted to build the quarantine for one billion dollars and it came out that the um, estate um, um, that he wanted to build it on was a state from, owned by his friend Lindsay State, a guy who runs a trucker company, a big one, and Andrews wanted to build a quarantine facility for one billion dollar on that real estate of his friend. Now it's another site uh, close to um, with only two hundred million dollars uh, close to the Melbourne airport. Uh, that's going to be done this year. Five hundred beds until December already, and then they expend a thousand. And when this Corona thing breaks out, or for people like me, up to three thousand people can be. Uh, put into these quarantine facilities. Same thing, Western Australia, three weeks, south of Perth, I said that in the videos. <coughs> the Emperor, Mark McGovern, 
he doesn't want to have anything to do with Australia. He would uh, build a, a border between East and West. He's building a quarantine facility as well for a thousand people, extendable up to 3,000 people. Western Australia in the last 18 months, I think they had six or seven deaths in all of the, all of the time. So as soon as there is a case in some state, he'll close the border. And that happened, South Australia last year, uh, a pizza guy, a pizza delivery guy, there was one case positive and everyone from Adelaide to Darwin, we fly four hours in the air, it was told that South Australia was completely closed off, complete lockdown, everyone in the aircraft will go to Darwin straight to quarantine, $3,000 per person. <clears throat> right. There's more, there's more. No, that's enough, that's enough. <laughs> We, we have to. We'll, we'll have to discuss this again. I can't imagine that this will go well in the long term in Australia because even the Australians will have to wake up at some stage. But the hope is that they wake up in good time before everything is too late. Two, two things on this. South Australia, four weeks ago, everybody had to go to isolation at home. Now they have to stick a door, a sign on their door. Um, so that uh, reminds me of 33 and 44. <clears throat> in South Australia, the government issued the order, if you are in isolation, you have to put up a board in front of your home, in the door, on the door, to signal for people who may do delivery, bring things, that you are in isolation. You may be infectious for all the neighbors. The neighbors were asked publicly, check whether they have that sign up if so if they go out call police then you'll do the right thing and the second thing in south australia as well there is an app which everybody gets and currently it's shown that the app has visual recognition face recognition and gps you know who's where at home you can do isolation but you have to have that electronic uh, bondage to you and the police has contact with you all the time so i think they are not going to wake up i don't want to be negative but what i see going on around me when i thought a year ago enough is enough it's an avalanche it's only about getting are we getting 80 percent 90 percent perhaps andrew said yesterday if we don't get enough people to vaccinate, those who are not vaccinated will be punished here in Victoria. We're talking about 6.2 million people. He's saying about, he's talking about chips to apply to underneath the skin. <clears throat> and some things are not yet in the mainstream media. It's too tough for the people. But I listen to it. I listen to what people tell me and uh, we repeat it. So it's uh, that's the story. If you don't get vaccinated, it's over. So I think people wake up. I thank for everybody who goes to the rallies, but I think we have to learn to say no here in Australia. And that is, I'm in Bendigo. We have 110 people here. I am literally the only one who walks anywhere without a mask. I'm looked as if I have a, a disease. I kill them all. I, the people came here 
keep away, uh, you're not wearing a mask. You can't even talk to them what it's all about because I'm not, I don't believe in the mainstream. So really, it'll be too late for Australia. It's not meant negatively, it's a fact report here. We won't get out where people are not getting up. People uh, are arrested, they are put to jail, they lose their homes. Okay, 70% of the companies are bankrupt, are bust. I've uh, heard from somebody this morning, um, it's all verified. He says, it's right what you say. Uh, so I'm uh, careful with fake news. I see it sometimes, it's difficult to differentiate. I check and verify everything. Where, where can the argument come from that it could turn? Uh, if I, if, uh, they can check my account because I have the sound in the background uh, uh, song. Uh, I, the police could block my bank accounts. They can uh, get into my homes. I invest in real estate. They can take it over since last week. So uh, you can check that. Tony can check that uh, for you. And if you raise up, you are knocked over. Uh, I would like to be positive in some way, but where? Where is it better? But Bernie, you couldn't be more negative. That's the direct one-way ticket to hell that you're describing here. Right, that's enough for today. That's enough for today. Uh, right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'll have to see uh, whether I can't get some positive news from Australia from some source. But what you've uh, just been describing sounds extremely bad, extremely bad. I would love to hear somebody telling me what one could do. I'm open for any information, any advice, all companies. Um, and telling us it's not legal <clears throat> to do prescribe to make the my my daughter is going to lose her job on the 17th of September if she doesn't get the vaccine. My um, neighbor works for one of the biggest meat companies. He got a letter. If you don't get vaccinated, you're an essential worker. You're going to lose your job. Virgin, Qantas, SBS, all of them, all big companies do that now. They ask their employees to vaccinate. I haven't seen anyone. It's okay to work without mask or vaccination. So that's a report. I told my wife um, it um, could better sound. If I were you, I'd get out of there as soon as, as, soon as I can. Well, we are not allowed to. I can't go anywhere. Um, uh, I have a tax number in the US. I would have to apply for going there to attend my uh, state there. But the government will say, no, it's not essential enough. You can't go. We are not allowed to go on. We can't go to a different state in the country, in, in Australia. It's done. <laughs> We're locked. <laughs> and uh, I hope that somebody gets out, Tony, with his uh, um, court uh, ruling which we are expecting tomorrow, next week. Tony, great, good news. I think he'll get somewhere. 
some people uh, work in the resistance that's great and i hope it'll be enough but the australians have to learn to say no now i can't see how that's going to change well the positive side of this story is that it's a warning uh, example for the rest of the world and i think it will be bernie uh, we're under pressure of time again uh, we have to thank you first of all for your time and the effort you went to and i hope that um, if i look around I can find a little bit of a positive thing uh, for australia that i can tell you i'd be happy about it and if i find something positive here i'll let you know uh, the good thing is that the australians are quite positive anyway but they can't see uh, what's happening it's still a great country to live i don't want anybody to think that australia is bad uh, we have great outdoors even though we can't go there yet now um, but uh, it can't go on forever it has to roll back so um, we keep hearing um, we've destroyed a lot of things but we'll open up again well it's still a great country it's reduced in terms of its uh, freedom but i think it can't go on forever that's my uh, thinking well, if you don't rise, it will continue forever. Well, yes, we have to learn how to say no. Well, Bernie, thank you very much. Thank you for the invite and for your work. And if you have anything positive, let me know. If I hear something about uh, Tony next week, I'll let you know what's happening here. That's what we'll do. Thanks again, Bernie. All right, uh, have fun and um, see you. Yes, see you. Now it's uh, your turn, I think. Willem Engel is next. Now we only have a few minutes, uh, 10, 15 minutes, because uh, we'll still have another person uh, waiting for us. Uh, Sue is waiting for us. Willem, are you there? Yes, I am on the screen. Okay, okay perfect. Yeah, so um, did you hear what he said? What uh, this was all German, but I assume that some of it was uh, understandable for you, right? Yes, uh, my German uh, is not so good, but understanding is much easier and it's very close to Dutch. Uh, we also have some reporters in Australia, so we are very aware of the situation there. It is, um, it is the beta test. Uh, if we do not uh, resist, that is what uh, will become of Europe. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I agree. I just didn't expect this to happen in, in Australia. Um, so uh, let me just, uh, so Willem um, is a, um, I think you're a microbiologist, is that right? Uh, no, I studied pharmaceutical sciences, of course, I had some courses in microbiology. Uh, I did a PhD, uh, although I didn't uh, finish it, but the PhD was in uh, applied nanotechnology and analytical chemistry. Okay, and you're also the founder of uh, Virus Wahrheit in, um, in Holland. Correct, yes. So for the people who are not aware of that, Vigas Wahrheit, the virus truth, is a, is a resistance movement which does a lot of demonstrations, uh, information campaigns, and of course court cases. I think we number now over 20 court cases. Um, and with it, we uh, are showing truth uh, and unfortunately also a lot of corruption and deceit. Um, but today will actually be more about Germany. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, because today you um, you found uh, you wanna, would like to present something um, about the, the measles vaccine because there's a new danger coming up uh, on our side. 
Yeah, after the, st the story about Australia, I don't want to bring more bad news. Um, but it is a, a warning. It is a possibility. So I'm not saying this will happen definitely, but we have to be very aware of what is going on scientifically, uh, legally speaking, uh, and politically speaking, because we see some trends and uh, up until now, uh, unfortunately, most of the trends that we have spotted uh, have come to fruition. Mm -hmm. um, so I was looking at uh, the primer sequences, actually. And for that, I, uh, I looked in the NCBI database. And of course, I saw some familiar names, uh, familiar for, for Germans, for sure. Uh, Christian Droste has done a lot of... Um, um, registrations in this database uh, for coronaviruses and, and for uh, SARS-CoV-2, of course, uh, very specifically. And through uh, looking through these, uh, these data files, I came to some patents and some publications. And from the side, because we work together with a lot of legalists, uh, we also looked at German legislation, specifically about uh, measles vaccines. And uh, bringing them together uh, at least enables uh, a new form of, of vaccination. And I think that new form, that second or third generation, uh, will be used to target groups that uh, are uh, what they call uh, vaccine hesitant and groups that are uh, ethically unreachable. So if I can share my screen, I will, I will go through a few slides, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I don't call it vaccines because now we're talking about uh, gene therapy injections, uh, experimental genetic technology. Um, what we see, and then we go back to what normally vaccines are, are uh, viruses, uh, live attenuated or dead viruses or parts of viruses. And uh, they all contain uh, antigens, and that is the definition of a vaccine. So it elicits a long-lasting immune response through a virus, a dead virus or part of the virus. Well, in this case, uh, with the mRNA injections, that is not uh, the case. Um, but if we look at the Janssen uh, vaccine in particular, it uses a whole virus, but another virus, an adenovirus, which is also a respiratory virus. Um, and it's, it's used as a vector to deliver that same RNA uh, for the body to produce uh, the, the spike protein of the SARS-CoV-2 virus and uh, indirectly then immunizing uh, the body or the immune system. That, that is the, the, the scientific explanation or rationale behind using uh, vectors uh, which uh, are in fact also gene therapy. Now what we've seen in Holland, because Janssen is, is produced in Holland as well, uh, is that they started an, uh, an information campaign specifically targeting young people. And at the time, I just thought it was very unethical but then uh, from Cambodia, uh, I got other messages that they were using that same, uh, what they call vaccine, to target uh, groups where the vaccine hesitance is, uh, is quite large and are uh, difficult to reach. Now, what I think 
Uh, and what I see uh, is happening is that all the ingredients to do this with uh, not the, the adeno vector, but a measles vector to target vaccine refusers or children which are not uh, of, uh, of the right age to inject because what we see now is that these uh, clinical trials uh, have not been concluded for the younger ages. Uh, there, there is already a debate whether you can inject from 12 to 17. Uh, our stance on that is that it's not possible because these are experimental vaccines, so it is not, it's not allowed by law, but they want to go younger. Now, what we have seen, and this is the, the, the Jens Spahn of Holland, uh, Hugo de Jonge, and he was really breaking all the rules there are uh, concerning marketing of, uh, of medicinal products. He compared it to food uh, or cosmetic products, and uh, very clearly, Danson, it's the same word in German, um, so he was enticing young people that they could go to festivals and that they could dance again, that they could be intimate again, if they only took this shot, and it's a one-shot approach, so directly after the injection, you could start dancing again. Well, of course, that's a breach of a lot of laws and very unethical. We've seen these uh, commercials and marketing also happening in, uh, in Berlin and in Germany. Um, so that was that was a red flag directly, and then this is the the message of Cambodia, and especially here underneath you see that they are uh, trying to reach uh, far laying places and hill tribes. Mm -hmm. Now what we saw in Holland after the the Dance with Janssen action is that the uh, positive cases went up, and normally like what we saw in, in March, uh, that was completely uh, fabricated. So March this year I'm talking about. But this time, because we have a lot of uh, whistleblowers also working at uh, the local uh, health services and, uh, and the test facilities, uh, they told me, well, we're, we're actually seeing cases with people that have symptoms and a test positive. So these things combined gave me the idea of, uh, of what is called vaccine shedding. And vaccine, it's the, the proper name is vaccine-induced viral shedding. So what, what happens is that your uh, body starts to produce uh, viral particles. And uh, if there is a certain amount, then you can also be a shedder. And it's in that sense, uh, it is the same as an infection. So if you were normally infected by a virus or, so, or, or another pathogen, then you start reproducing it or amplifying it and you can become a spreader. Now, the whole idea is, of course, when you use a vector, uh, that it should not be possible. But I'm stating it, it should not be possible. possible. But is that actually happening? So when we are looking at other experiments, specifically with uh, cattle, and of course, we are all aware that this whole One Health program uh, to, to try to inject the whole world with these experimental jabs uh, is mainly run by veterinarians. So they, they must be aware of these experiments. Uh, and so what we're seeing here is that with cattle, they have done extensive testing. And yes, when you use the, the more uh, common or, or orthodox uh, vaccines, so using attenuated viruses, then indeed you get uh, a, a, a sort of uh, infection. And these 
these animals start to shed viral particles and then can indirectly uh, vaccinate the whole lot or the, or the flock. Now, then we come to a part of German law that was just very recently changed. And I want to focus, it is a very small paragraph, but of the Soldiers Act, vaccines may be used that contain microorganisms. Well, is a, vac is a, a virus an organism? But for, for now, I think it is within that term uh, that can be excreted by the vaccinated and absorbed by other people. And then the last sentence is really telling. The basic right to physical integrity uh, is restricted in this respect. So uh, what this law actually says that if this happens to humans through uh, vaccination, you start shedding and making viral particles, then uh, that is the case. Eh? People are allowed to be indirectly vaccinated. So work? now we how does that work, Willem? I mean, I don't get it. If you vaccinate one person, how does this shed uh, and spread to another person? I understand and it makes sense to me because this is what um, I think Peter McCullough explained to us. I understand that through bodily fluids that can be possible. If, for example, you donate yes. as a vaccinated person, a person you donate blood to another person. I think that is it, it sounds plausible. If uh, breast milk, for example, that's another example. Yes. That seems to be yes. working uh, um, well working. Um, and maybe maybe semen, I don't know. But um, yes. what else is possible? So um, I think uh, Peter McCullough was uh, mainly uh, focusing on the mRNA. Yeah. So if you look at our mRNA, then you only make the spike and it's not reproducible by itself. You, you need a whole viral particle. But what the Janssen, uh, the, the, the Janssen vaccine does, but also the AstraZeneca, is to use a vector of a whole other virus. And of course, they, they tell us that these viruses, these vectors that are used to deliver the same code uh, are uh, not uh, replication competent anymore. So they're attenuated in a sense that they cannot uh, amplify. But is that the case? Have these shedding experiments been done? And now what we see, legally speaking, but also uh, uh, politically speaking, for which groups, which uh, kind of injections are used. Um, it is a possibility that uh, people start shedding and then we go even one step further. Now there is a mandate since uh, 10 February uh, uh, 2020 and it comes into effect this year on the 1st of November. And of course, this is after the German elections and this is when we expect to be in a lockdown again. It is also. What does this mandate say? It, it says this. This is the same mandate. So compulsory vaccination should protect children from measles. Now, of course, it uh, it points to uh, uh, the more uh, standard measles uh, injections. But again, they, they test it. How wide is this uh, is this mandate? Uh, will they use uh, combined? vaccination for measles and, and COVID. And, and these are the, the slippery slopes. So I want to point out a, a few things that had the law stipulated all children from the age of one. 
And this is what one of the goals is, eh? to try to start injecting children from six months onward. Now, at, at the moment, this is not possible with the current mandates, uh, with the current uh, uh, injections. But with this mandate, doing it via the, via the measles and using the measles as a vector for this SARS-CoV-2 spike, they have found a loophole. Another group that is not easily targeted is, for instance, asylum seekers and refugees. And that brings me back to, uh, to where we started, the, the political need to focus on groups that they can normally not get to uh, when they would do it in a, in a direct way and in a, in a, in a allowed way, uh, looking at the clinical trials. So you think they that from I think the, from December on we have this uh, the law that everyone has to be vaccinated against measles like one, once they're born, I think after the year uh, 1970, mm -hmm. and that was just like there was a code like the the Bundesverfassungsgericht just ruled that this is is okay to do it like this, mm -hmm. and um, so um, so that means that you think. Um, they could actually, like in the measles vaccination, maybe have like a mechanism going on that produces the spikes that would then like hop on another person via, via shedding. I do not only think I have the proof. It is possible they can do it. The only question is, will they do it? So this is the last part about the, the political uh, direction. So especially children under the age of 12. And now why is this important? Uh, 12 is, such, is, is sort of a, a, um, a division between small children and adolescent children. Now we have all these clinical trials. I think uh, because the SICO is now pushed to allow uh, the, the booster shots and they just changed their advice that they are not against it. They're still not completely uh, endorsing the shots for, for uh, minor children. Um, but to get to the smaller ages, I think they will try to use another route uh, in, in the legislation. Now, then we go into the NCBI database. And this is of your countryman, Drosten. And he did this with a, an institute from, uh, from Switzerland. Now, uh, what I point out here is this is one of the first experiments with the, the new code. Um, it is all synthetic. So this is not from a clinical sample. This is made, uh, and this is what uh, Dalston really specializes in, these uh, retro-engineering of viruses. He created the platform with his colleagues so that uh, with yeast and uh, uh, parts of other viruses, a sort of Frankenstein reconstruction, uh, they made a synthetic version of the SARS-CoV-2. And from that, specifically this part, uh, is the spike. And the, 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 the spike protein or the sequence of it is completely uh, characterized. Um, it's the same, uh, the, the same publication. Now, why do I point out this? Uh, 1273 amino acids. Yeah, so this is the this is the length of the of the of the spike. And we have the same part. Sorry? No, I'm saying we're under pressure because our we have we have an American 
First time yeah. an American politician waiting in line. Um, I'm I'll, I'll be finished in, 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 in three minutes, if okay, you allow me. Great, very good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So here we see another American, the king of gain-of-function experiments, ah, Eric. No, this is Barrick. Barrick is, is working That's under Barrick. Fauci. Okay. Fauci is funding it, and, and this is from Chapel Hill. Now, remember Chapel Hill, Drosden, Barrick, uh, also in the beginning of the pandemic. Then we go a little bit further, and here it becomes very interesting. Look, a highly immunogenic and effective measles virus-based COVID-19 vaccine. So they integrated this part. It's the same part. It's the synthetic spike that Drosden already created. Uh, Beric does that, and he does that with together with the German Paul Ehrlich Institute mm -hmm. and the veterinarian part of that institute. Then we look at clinical trials and we see that a lot of them are already underway right from the start. In March 2020, they started experimenting with the standard uh, MMR, so measles, mumps, rubella vaccines. These are the old-fashioned ones to see how they interact with the new virus. And this was all funded by the Wellcome Trust. And I think if people are aware of, of the whole scheme behind it, they are uh, very aware of this institute. Now, why they, this is their rationale. The spikes of the measles and SARS are very similar. So you can prune and graft one into the other. This is the clinical trial where they are looking at the combination of the uh, old-fashioned MMR vaccination together with the SARS-CoV-2 new vaccination. So they're doing a lot of compatibility trials, actually. And then we come to the last slide, and this is the publication of this vaccine that is already being produced. And this is done in a collaboration between the North Carolina Chapel Hill Institute, the Gain-of-Function Institute of Barrick Dondarian, or Barrick, um, together with the Paul Ehrlich Institute and specifically the veterinarian part of that. So all the means to use politically, uh, legally uh, and pharmaceutically uh, this measles uh, uh, vector-based uh, SARS-CoV-2 injection are there. And uh, legally, the 1st of November is, is the day they could start, but it doesn't mean that they might have started earlier. So we really have to look for a push or a pressure on educational personnel and young children and asylum seekers to be injected against the measles. Okay. Well, the thing is, um, I, I hope that we're a little farther ahead of the pack than, for example, the Australians, uh, where it looks uh, quite gloomy. Um, I do think that many more people here, many, many more people here in Germany, and probably many more people in the United States have, have, have woken up to what's really going on. Um, so if we, um, if, we, if we do try and educate the general public, and in particular, the um, the doctors of medicine and the school teachers and the parents, of course, if we do try and educate them about this as a real possibility. I mean, they wouldn't have introduced this into law if they hadn't wanted it to become reality, right? Absolutely. So what we see until now is that everything they say they want to do, they are doing. Yeah. Um, and, and a glimmer of hope might be that if we look at the vaccination uh, buses they sent to schools, in Holland, we 
push them or fought them to a standstill. We had a lot of pressure uh, calling on people to photograph uh, the, the uh, ongoing crimes of uh, unaccompanied minors uh, that are taking these jabs at the buses. Mm -hmm. uh, we had lawyers sending letters to these schools and, and local health authorities. And now they at least don't send these buses right to the schools, but they have information days and try to lure them uh, back to these uh, local health facilities. So I think it is very important that we keep sharing information, that we keep making people aware of the schemes yeah. and that we exert pressure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, well, well Willem, that was another, um, well, close to a horror story, I'd say. <laughs> but uh, now that we're forewarned, maybe we can uh, become so active and get so many people to rise up and I think that's happening in the United States uh, right now. If we can, if we can manage to pe to get people to rise up, we're, we're going to stop this. And there is no other way. I don't, I don't understand how people in Australia can just sit there and watch what's going on. I don't get it. It is, uh, it's a, a big experiment, and not only medical, but this is one big psychological experiment. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, Willem, thank you so much. Thank you very much for warning us. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. Okay. Um, Sue Frost uh, is going to be with us now. I'm sorry, Sue, that we kept you waiting, uh, but I think our timeline is still okay uh, for you as well, right? Yes, I'm fine as long as I leave my home by 9 a.m. or 9:10 California time. I'll make it to my next appointment. Okay, great. Um, would you? Um, you're a San Francisco, I'm sorry, Sa Sacramento County Supervisor. Um, you have served on approximately 25 boards. You're a former registered nurse um, and a California certified emergency nurse. So you know what you're talking about when we're talking about these health issues, which most of us have never even heard of before. But you're at the same time working in the executive part of the government. So you, you're seeing, you're, you're getting information from all sides. Um, what is, um, no, I don't wanna make you tell us anything. Just go ahead and tell us what you, uh, what you think is important. Okay, well, I, I probably should clarify that my nursing background extends back to the early 1980s. I haven't been a nurse since then. Uh, my um, experience in between was in mortgage finance. I was self-employed for 36 years, so I went from nursing to um, mortgage banking, and I'm a community volunteer and ended up running for local city council and here I am as a county supervisor. So there's a gap, mm -hmm. but I do know the terminology and I understand the people because they're my people as well. Yeah. So, and, and so I, I feel like my, uh, I wasn't sure where to start, but I, I thought I would um, give a statement that kind of shares my journey through COVID and the concerns that uh, came to my mind as I was um, experiencing what we were going through here in California. And, um, and the first, the first um, right out of the shoot, uh, I remember back in March uh, 2020 when we, we were faced with this decision to possibly um, close, you know, 
everybody go home for two weeks to flatten the curve and and everybody uh, nobody really knew what we were up against we anticipated it could be a bioweapon or what could it be and fast forward through that time there were some things that happened that gave me pause and caused me concern um, it kind of felt like uh, i was in a I didn't get the memo like everyone knew the plan, but I didn't know the plan immediately after we locked down in California and sent everyone home within two weeks, we were looking at resolutions that would um, put a moratorium on evictions affecting uh, property rights. And then over the months we went through a whirlwind of, I'm going to say, um, a whirlwind of, you know, crisis, you know, changes in the rules, um, you know, we need to extend it, um, uh, uh, resolutions that would um, um, announce that racism is a public health crisis. Uh, 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 we, we went through um, environment is a public health crisis. And, and so, um, with each one of those resolutions, even though they may not be an ordinance, they carry a, they carry weight um, in that they have an impact on the priority in policymaking and how taxpayer dollars are being managed. So, um, you know, on my board, it was a four to one vote. I did not uh, vote for racism being a public health emergency. To me, that was like a blindsiding um, I did not see that as an emergency. So, and, and to explain, to just explain, I, I um, always in the past with policymaking, you know, felt that an a state of emergency is something where you are, um, you have a catastrophic event and you don't have the financial resources to manage the initial you know, getting, you know, things settled and making sure everyone's safe. And it's used generally a 90 day period. Um, now we've gone into this year and a half period of a state uh, declaration of emergency. So I, I think I wanted to briefly go over, um, go over that and just mention that on those 25 boards that I serve on, Whereas we did the resolution at the Board of Supervisors, you know, um, declaring that racism is a public health emergency, then every other board took that and prioritized that in their uh, working, you know, model and their systems to put together plans for race, equity, and inclusion. Even to the point of, um, and, and one concerning event that, that happened was with one uh, six county board uh, called SACOG, Sacramento Area Council of Governments, where we were putting together, um, you know, we hired a consultant, we were putting together a draft plan on race equity and inclusion. And I, I pr presented a sub motion asking to add three words to that draft plan. The three words were equality and the law. And at that time um, we were not able to, um, I, I got a second, but it didn't pass and we ended up approving the original version. So um, that to me was a red flag. Moving forward, 
I, I just want to make a quick comment about the California legislature. We have a supermajority in the California legislature. And um, there was policy that was that came prior to our, um, you know, COVID-19 lockdown in March and in October of 2019, AB 262 was was a um, part of the health code that directed the public health officer to notify and update government entities um, regarding communicable diseases. Um, it gave them the, uh, the really authorized them to report locations and concentrations of cases, the number of residents affected, the measures that um, government um, entities should take, and uh, also to issue orders. So it, it increased power um, and authority to the local health officer. And in, you know, that was another red flag, you know, in my mind, I didn't find out about it until long after we had been going through months of lockdowns and I had many businesses and constituents calling me asking help. Can you help us to we're, we're dying. We're not going to make it if we don't open up. And so, but I felt um, when I did learn about those early, um, those early policies that were passed or amended um, that they paved the way for early legislative changes that would, um, you know, would authorize the testing and data tracing and which um, ultimately became a um, de decision maker for how how we would measure how we would lock down which was there were so many questions along the way but i won't take a lot of time with that what i want to get to um, in my statement to you and i hope it's helpful to you and i want you to know that i am here because I, I've, um, I think we we have to. Have, um, it's important that each one of us express our, ex, you know, share our experiences and not be complicit in something that could could hurt our our people and take away our freedoms. I um, along the way I have had personal conversations with doctors and nurses and constituents and scientists and researchers. One way or another, I came in contact with them either through my, um, my activities as a county supervisor, whereby, you know, I was getting calls from doctors saying, Sue, can you help us? The media will not cover this. There are treatments. We can treat people and keep them from the hospital. And so early on in January 21, we had Reopen Cal Now, whereby we invited policymakers from all over California to come and, and listen to doctors and economists and um, constitutional sheriffs and learn, you know, the other side of the story. You know, we know COVID is real, but um, they're not telling us the whole story. There's more to this story. And through those conversations, I, I learned a lot. Um, I think the, the the stories were compelling. Um, I'd say, you know, it, it just gave, you know, it's the evidence began to stack up that there was a, a sort of a, um, you know, that the CDC and the hospital protocols were abandoning patients. 
um, obstructing treatment that could reduce hospitalizations and save lives. Uh, they, um, the way they're documenting their protocols in the hospitals are um, causing disconnects that leave um, undocumented breakthrough cases and vaccine injury cases. They're not connecting a huge amount of, of the dots there. And people are now um, being pressured to take a vaccine without, in my this is my opinion, without informed consent. And um, this is not me speaking on behalf of my board. It's me speaking personally. And I did my own personal research. I, I went online to try to study each, each one of the vaccines to understand what's in them. I went to a pharmacy and I said, I want to think about getting the vaccine. I'm not sure. Can you give me the paperwork that tells me all the details of the adverse effects? On the counter in the pharmacy, it said vaccines are safe. These vaccines are safe. Um, they said, we don't really have paperwork. We, we, have a, a, we ask you questions and then we print something out for you to sign and you'll get a copy of that. But I can't, we can't really, you know, the vaccines are safe, um, but we don't have paperwork. So I know, I know in my mind, um, I felt in my mind there was um, a, a violation of, you know, yeah, I took, I took the oath as a nurse to do no harm. I was a missionary nurse, uh, uh, even though I didn't do it for very long. Uh, I, in my heart, um, I want people to be, I want to know what I'm putting in my body. And I think people should know that. that and informed consent, the way I understand it is it has to be put in a way that they can understand it. Um, so informed consent and, uh, you know, Western bioethics, whatever you want to call it, Nuremberg. Um, I wrote a letter to my board um, that I was concerned that we might be violating that. And I received a, a response that we are not. And so I guess that was my, my opinion. Um, I have talked with Dr. Doctors who some will and some will not come forward if you wish to speak with them. And it's clear that there are doctors in the hospitals that are um, saying, my hands, I'm sorry, my hands are tied. I can refer you to someone else. So um, there are doctors and public health officials who are not willing to talk about early treatments. I've said, why don't we tell people to take vitamin D, zinc, and C? Why, why aren't we talking about all the treatments? There's a, there are doctors who have treated thousands of patients and lost maybe one or two, and they had comorbidities. Why aren't we doing that? We, we're not able to talk about that. Um, the pharmacies, um, I can tell my own personal story about the pharmacies, but I have personal friends and some were doctors. And some were professionals who got sick. I got sick three or four weeks ago. And I called a, a friend of mine who's a doctor. He called in a, a, a prescription at my local pharmacy. And the pharmacy said, we cannot fill off-label medications for patients with COVID. My doctor said, I never said my patient had COVID. I never mentioned COVID. And they said, well, we don't fill off-label um, uh, medications. Therefore, I had to order my medication from a pharmacy that would FedEx it. By the time I got it, I was six 
days into it. And it was like, I was getting well. And I decided to save, save that medication for my husband, who's 75. And, um, I perceived that he might have a harder time, um, with this virus. If he got it, he did get it. He did go on the medications. We both made it through. I want to say that, um, so the media the medication and, and didn't have any real problems. Well, he, I feel, you know, you know, I'm, I'm 10 years younger than my husband. I feel he, it hit him harder, but we have both been taking vitamin D 2000 international units and zinc and C every day. Well, when we can remember, we're not good at taking pills, but we doing our best yeah. um, to be, to live. So yes, he got through it, but I have a friend who, um, you know, we had to go, we went to three different pharmacies and I have other friends who were having the same problem. I know people that are ordering medications from India um, to take them prophylactic prophylactically um, in fear of um, just being prepared. So I think the takeaway on this is number one, people know there's a virus, um, but we don't know we don't know what it is, you know, and, um, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to move on unless you have questions. I'd just I would like to ask you what do you think happens with these pharmacies? Is that, that they're just like so obsessed with, um, whatever, like a certain kind of treatment that you should get, or is it, are there any like legal obligations for them not to sell that? Do you have any oh, further information? You. Thank you so much for asking that because that was the point I wanted to get across. Uh, my husband went to the pharmacy because what happened is the doctor called in ivermectin, doxycycline, and hydroxychloroquine. And they wouldn't fill the ivermectin or the doxycycline, but my doctor said, Sue, you can get the doxycycline there and we'll order the other through the FedEx. My husband went to pick it up and they did not fill that um, they would not fill that prescription. Well, my husband had went berserk in front of the whole pharmacy, made a big scene and said, you know, how they were obstructing treatment to his wife. And in through this whole excitement, they came out and said, the CDC has instructed us what we, you know, told us what we have to do. The CDC has um, given us guidelines and we have to go by it. So my husband said, so my 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 wife my the doctor can't prescribe anymore. The CDC tells the doctor what they can prescribe. It's not a relationship between my wife and the doctor anymore. And um, the pharmacist said, "I'm a doctor too, and yes, that's the rules." So basically, um, what we, what we have here in America is a a government agency that is not elected. Um, that is dictating to the pharmacies what they can prescribe and, and basically turned medicine, politicized medicine and turned it upside down where I cannot go to my doctor. My doctor cannot feel free to um, treat me. It, mind, body, spirit, the whole me. My doctor's not in, we're not in charge of my care anymore. It's the CDC telling us and government telling us what we can do. And I have never, ever felt that way where I questioned medicine, where I did not want to go. I was afraid to go to a hospital. 
um, where I didn't trust that the doctors were going to think critically uh, about my care. And um, so that is a major red flag for me. Um, One that I cannot, um, that, that is a freedom. You're my, my choice uh, about my body and medical freedom is, um, is, is it's like that line in the sand. And I think that's what's happening in California right now. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of frontline workers that worked all the way through um, this COVID thing without a vaccine. And they've been, and I, I've heard their stories. Um, this is uh, that 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 um, choice about what you put in your body um, is a freedom that I think you know we can. We're pretty nice people. We try to we're trying to go with the program. We're trying to even though we know the mask, we don't feel like the mask is helping. The block the box says from China says it doesn't help. It doesn't stop it. My doctor showed me how, you know, aerosol air goes right through the mask on his glasses. He showed it right in front of me. So I know the mask is not stopping the spread, um, you know, in in any significant, it's not making a difference in my mind. That's what I perceive. But what I'm trying to say is- That's what our experts have confirmed to us. It's impossible. It's simply impossible physically impossible but it is in it's so uncomfortable i can't breathe and you know you you can't breathe but you're willing to do that but when it comes down to it um you know there are so many extraordinary people in my world that are so smart and that are such good um, patriots and they're not stupid they know they're they're not ignorant they've done their homework and they know what's best for them And um, we have that, we have those rights in America. We, we, we had them, um, but we don't have them unless we exercise them. But I won't get off on that tangent. I want to tell you more. I want to tell you more about um, the hospital protocols. Um, I began to have whistleblowers emerge who wanted to meet with me, but I couldn't know who they were until we got there. Um, people are very afraid. I've talked to a lot of doctors who have, um, some of which came from communist com- countries who know what's happening here, who know it in detail what they, they understand it, but they're not still, it's difficult to, to come out uh, public. Some are willing to come public if you wish to speak with them. The, um, in the hospitals, um, The stories I've heard are that patients are being processed into the hospital. If they've had the vaccine, they they do not get tested, but they receive a verbal um, screening to enter into the hospital. Those who did not get the vaccine are tested. Um, When they get into the hospital, uh, I've had nurses tell me that 80% of the people that have been vaccinated are are sick or having um, major strange events like strokes, uh, myocarditis, um, blood clots, uh, they're sick. Uh, I had one nurse who uh, stated she was, she had a, had a baby and um, she, it was her fourth child. She was breastfeeding. So she went after working all day with 
vaccinated patients, she pumped her breast for her, um, you know, to feed her baby and it came out green and she was very, um, she was thrilled. She was so glad she pumped her breast before she fed her baby. I mean, she, this is, uh, these are, these nurses uh, are acutely, some are, some are acutely aware of what's happening in front of them and others are, are not that simple. Mm-hmm. It's, there's two stories mm-hmm. to this, two sides to this story. And I believe the ones that are, I believe the ones that are acutely aware because I've been there Completely um, the line, other- it's completely so it's completely in line with what uh, everyone keeps telling us. I know here in Germany and in other parts of Europe as well, uh, we hear the very same stories. Uh, it's uh, there. There is a um, a split society. This goes all the way down to the hospitals as well. And many nurses will speak out. There's even they have their own telegram channel here in Germany. They will speak out and uh, they're telling the exact same story. I just didn't realize it was uh, you're saying those nurses that you spoke to say 80% of the people who got the shots have serious, more or less serious side effects, right? They, they, they estimated uh, one person estimated 80%. I had another person who works in the children. I never worked in that area that I don't know. It's labor and delivery, I guess. Um, She said there's a huge amount of um, code three over the, they have certain different sounds for different things. The one for stroke Mm -hmm. has been increased significantly. She said there's an increased number of um, child birth defects and spontaneous abortions. That um, it's just everything is increased, mm-hmm. and and they're saying the hospitals are full, but they're not full with COVID, not necessarily with um, COVID. It, you know, they're 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 saying it's it's um, it's not the dots are not getting connected because if you've had the vaccine, you're you're in a different um, category that does not connect your adverse reaction to the vaccine and the hospitals the, from what i understand that the hospital protocol is not to follow a vaccinated patient unless they gave that vaccine which is another disconnect um so then um the other thing is that in the hospitals the nurses have told me that there's no treatment when they get in the hospital if they have not had the vaccine or if they have had the vaccine, they should be immediately put on vitamin D and zinc or, you know, some kind of ivermectin or prophylactic treatment that would help them. Instead, the go-to is, you know, uh, respirator, you know, wait till you're dying from shortness of breath and put you on a respirator. And one person said they put her grandmother on uh, fentanyl and respirator oh my god i mean pardon my pardon me i get so emotional about these things okay i want to keep going though i want to say um fentanyl is a drug i mean fentanyl is deadly yeah it's it's killing so many americans we um 
Yeah. It's part of the yeah. opioid crisis. Oh, that's the that's the that's what that's it is. Made in China, yeah. by the way. I can't even imagine why someone would put someone on it on fentanyl yeah. at all. To kill them. But but can I ask you? So this uh, situation has that been the same ever since the pandemic started, or do you see a difference? You know, in 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 the way that the hospitals now treat the patient patients compared to how it was, or do they they continue the same kind of thing, like with the respiratory uh, treatment and? Those are the those are the latest word that I've gotten from the nurses. They feel there is not um, a proactive nutrition and um, proactive treatment to keep them out of the hospital. And when they get in the hospital, there's not an immediate proactive put them on this. And within two days, they'll be feeling starting to get better. It's a I'm told I'm told by like I said, there's two two sets of nurses or two, there's two stories, yeah. but the story I'm getting the most of is the side of the story that says there's, there's a disconnect. They don't understand the protocols and the treatment. Um, the um, early on, I had to actually have a protest in 32 degree weather, an outside event with masks and, just to and just to get people policymakers to come to an event to just learn the, that there's more to the story there's treatments and i brought you know uh we brought and there were other supervisors who who approached me to do this so i wasn't even the one who thought of it but i said yes i'm in 200 and we did it and jay Bhattacharya and joe latapo from ucla and you know there were we had experts, you know, talking about the, you know, how the impacts of the COVID lockdown could be as damaging as yeah. the COVID itself. And so we were begin at that time, that was in January of 21, we were questioning, it was actually in December, but we couldn't pull it together as fast. But the point is, we were questioning, why won't the media cover why won't the media tell people that there's treatments? Why aren't people, why aren't we, why, what is, why is there a barrier to treatment that could keep people out of the hospital. Good question, huh? Good question. Yeah. If you take, if you do connect the dots, if you do look at what they're really doing, like treating people with fentanyl, if you look at all the side effects of the uh, of the uh, so-called vaccinations, if you do connect the dots, then at least in my mind, uh, I can't believe these are side effects. These are the effects that seem to be intended. We're going to have to take a closer look at this, but there seems to be something completely off right here, completely off the rails. Uh, it's it's um, very, very disturbing when a doctor says my hands are tied. Yeah when someone says that and these are just people telling me what they know or what they've experienced but i believe them and i do too um i don't have a reason not to believe them they don't have I'm, a reason I, to I, lie I, to us sue they don't have there's no reason for them to lie to us for example dr mike eden who left his country for good um he's going to uh, start and educate uh, people, I think, in Florida and in Texas, uh, because he feels he has to do this because he wants to educate and tell people this is dangerous. We don't have we don't have to fear the virus. We do have to fear the anti-corona measures. He has nothing to gain from this. So why would he want to lie? 
Why would any of these people, Zelenko and all the others, why would they want to lie to us? I don't get it. I believe them. Yeah. Um, so then the next red flag that came up for me was the Delta variant began to happen. And that was short, like months after the vaccine started, we started to see the uh, multiple variants. And then they kept, um, you know, government is, is all but campaigning, coaxing, social pressuring mm. people to get the vaccine. You'll be popular. You'll win the lottery. You'll get an ice cream cone. Um, get the vaccine to save the world. Okay. Um, this is, uh, in my opinion, um, unethical and wrong. It's, it's yeah, wrong yes, yes. to do this and to, to, because there are so many people and I call them innocents. They're innocent because they trust, you know, they, they've always trusted and they just, they want us to tell them what to do. And, you know, um, they could, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the vaccine will do. I've, I've done my studies. I'm not going to go in depth on that here, but I'm just going to say my big question about the, the vaccine is the, the Delta variant came, but the same vaccine for the Delta variant as the other. But in the past, first of all, in the past, we've never shut down the entire economy for a flu. Mm -hmm. Second of all, in the past, every year, they said the new flu vaccines here, get your flu vaccine. Uh, this, this is going to be a rough one. Um, the vaccine was specific to treat that flu each year, but now we're using the same vaccine for the variant. And the question is, how does that work? You know, why is this vaccine um, so great? I mean, what is, wh why is it the vaccine that cures everything? It allows you to travel. It allows you to, it doesn't, keep you from getting COVID. It doesn't keep you from spreading it. It doesn't keep you from having to wear a mask. It might give you lower your symptoms and, and you don't have a catastrophic cytokine storm or thrombosis. But I mean, you can do that with vitamin D3, zinc and, and C. So, you know, what is it about this vaccine that everyone has to have it? Even our children who statistically have a zero chance of dying from COVID they're wearing masks and they're, they're trying to vaccine our children. So that's another uh, huge red flag for me. And I can tell you um, just on in, in a personal experience, um, I'll just talk about one night, national night out. We, in California, we have national night out every year. And this year we actually had national night out because we weren't able to have it last year. And everyone was really excited. And um, so on my way to national night out, this is in one night in one hour. And granted, it doesn't happen every hour like that. So I'll qualify it. But I will tell you, it was a red flag. The red flag was I got a call from a friend who said, Sue, I'm on my way to the hospital. My mom had the vaccine and now she's in something. I don't know if she's going to make it. I'm on my way to the hospital. And oh, by the way, my sister-in-law is in the hospital um, in Davis. She's like a 35 year old, I won't say the profession, but she's a professional because I, I don't know how much I should say, um, paralyzed. Um, 
all she can move is her lips. Her, she, it, within days, uh, within days of the sh- vaccine. Mm-hmm. And then I got to the, I got to my event and a woman walked up to me and said, Sue, do you know my husband, you know, my husband, Ed, he loved you so much. Um, he died. And I think the vaccine killed him. And she told me her story about how she took him to get the first shot. And by the second shot, he could hardly walk. She had to wheelchair him in to get the second shot. And the next day he was dead. And then another woman walked up while I was talking to her. And she said, I'm sorry, ladies. I just have to butt into this conversation. I just want you to know I had the shot. And I went to the emergency room four times. I finally insisted that they do an MRI. And I had a big blood clot in my groin. And she points. And I was like, Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I said, did you report it to bears? And they said, what's bears? Yeah, we were told that that's one of the reasons why there's only between one and 10% of the actual number of cases that are reported. It's heavily underreported, because most doctors seem to not even know that there's a VAERS register. But so what does that do with these these ladies that you talk to? Are they now sad, angry that they were lured into getting the, this, the shots or or do they also not connect, connect the dots? Like in this study, it's I, like, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I sent them information on how to report to VAERS. Um, the one whose husband died, I asked her if she would be willing to be a voice. Um, and I think she would. Um, so I, on people like that, I'm encouraging them to report to bears and, um, yeah, I don't think they know. I don't think we know, but I I don't know if, you know, like the person, you know, a person who has a vaccine injury, I'm, I'm, I presume if I had a vaccine injury, I would assume, oh, good, they got it and they fixed it and hopefully nothing else will happen. I, I hope that's, I don't know. I don't think we know the future of this vaccine. That's, that's, the, that's the reason I wish we could be more, you know, why isn't anyone talking about the bears? That was another thing. I was at a protest. I... Somehow it, you know, you, you know, if you talk, you're going to pay when, you know, and it, I said, I have serious questions about the VARES and the number of adverse reactions and it hit the news and that I'm not fit to serve. And that's fine. Um, it, I mean, that's you you got you're getting you're getting pushback from the mainstream media uh because you're simply because you're voicing that you're you're having serious questions about the the vaccines and the side effects that's all that that's what triggered them to go after you yeah wow i said i yeah i'm trying to remember what i said on that video i said I have serious questions about the number of reverse reactions with, that have happened. I showed a graph um, that showed the, the spike up. The, the, um, 
you know, we have groups that will post, you know, usually they, I'm told by people who know, I, I know a lot of people, I'm told by people who know who's who, these are Antifa, you know, and they're always at every event and they're always, they'll take pictures of me and then they'll post them and say, I'm with the Proud Boys. I'm at another anti-vax rally with the Proud Boys. I'm not fit to serve. Well, I've never been anti-vax. I got all my vaccines when I was young. Mm -hmm. I can tell you, I have some real concerns about, uh, I have real concerns right now. So Everyone I'm not does in the meantime. I, I, I told yeah. you before, um, I, I, when we first talked on the phone, I told you that I had just before I'd spoken with you, uh, spoken with a group of people from the Bay Area, uh, San Francisco um, municipal, municipal employees, and the tide is turning there, definitely, because they all have these very same questions that you have. One third of the police department doesn't want to play along with this any longer. One third of the fire department doesn't want to play along with this. Half of, uh, of the 60,000 uh, municipal employees of the city of Los Angeles don't want to play along because a red line has been crossed. I think you, you probably saw the video with, uh, I think his name is Christian Granucci, the uh, captain of the Los Angeles Fire Department. Very strong him. video, very strong God video. Him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, people like that, I mean, you, you could see the... You know, it was hard for him to do that. It's hard for yeah. every one of us yeah. because I, but I, I think, and I can tell you, I was at, I, I was late last night. I was at a vigil, candlelight vigil for one of our officers that died in a car accident. And I was talking to some policymakers there and they said, Sue, we want you to know, we really are respect you and we're behind you. Um, And, and I know it's hard, you know, they, they're behind me, but they're not ready. They, they can't take that stand because it's not easy. Um, I, I think you have to be in that place in your heart where the, the consequence is worse than anything. And for me, you know, I think what the line that there were a lot of red flags. I haven't, I'm not a really a good fighter. I'm not an attorney. Um, I'm not a debater. I'm the least likely person to be in politics. I'm, I love people and I love my, I, I really want to serve them. And I made an oath that I would uphold the constitution and I would never forget who I work for. And I haven't. And I can tell you there's a, um, there's a, the, the line that got drawn here is when the vaccine, it's one thing if people are making an informed choice, But when they're not getting um, informed, when, when the decision is not informed, properly informed, and when children yeah. are at risk, a whole generation of children, and our freedom is at risk, and we've lost it, then, you know, there comes a time when there isn't any job or any amount of money or anything that makes it worth going along to get along. You have to stand up and I'm in that place. And I, there's people that are real mad, not happy about that, but I'm sorry, but I want I have more. I want to tell you before we get through this. Sure. Um, I met an extraordinary person, a, a scientist, a PhD. And this was another 
kind of a enlightened moment for me. Uh, you know, I don't know if you heard about Patrick King in Canada yeah. and his, and his case against the queen, I guess, ultimately against the queen, he was being fined, I guess, for protesting. And, and in his case, his part of his discovery was he asked for them to show that they had isolated the virus, mm-hmm. SARS-CoV-2. And in the end, they weren't able to isolate it and they had to drop the emergency and it, and it ended. It was basically, he got, went, he went for the jugular and won. Uh, not without, he's extraordinary, by the way. I, he's really smart the way he did that. But I, I don't, I met another person who came into my life who, who, um, is also a whistleblower. So I won't name names or locations, but I'll just say that that person told me that, that they had done that they and their team had, had isolate, try attempted to isolate the virus three different times. They were working with 1500 ferrets and um, they went through the whole, you know, Thing and what they were not able to isolate SARS-CoV-2, they did. They were able to isolate influenza A and influenza B, and um, they forwarded their work to other major research institutions who did, who followed up and did theirs, and they were not able to isolate it. Um, in the end there was a lot of controversy, personal controversy around that there. Um, and there, you know, they are definitely, um, they've had threatened, threatened threats on their life. Um, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a sensitive situation. I'm not sure what I should say, so I'm not going to say a lot, but when I, what I do want to say is that it occurred to me about what Patrick King did so one thing that we're working on with volunteers is to try to request that our public health show, uh, and I did ask this in, in one of my board meetings, in two board me- meetings ago, I asked if she would show me the isolated virus and she did provide information, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't the, you know, purification of SARS-CoV-2 and the Delta variant, which I had asked for. And my rationale for asking for it was that I wanted to understand how they, how the vaccine for last year's SARS-CoV-2 is appropriate for Delta or any other of the many variants that people are talking about. How do you rationalize? I, I don't, I'm trying to figure that out. It's something that's not making sense. And question. One of them, we just interviewed him a couple of, uh, about an hour ago, that's Dr. Wolfgang Wodak. He's asking the very same question. Many other doctors are too, because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up. Yeah. So this scientist, she, she taught us how to ask it, you know, via maceration, filtration, use the ultra centrifuge, separate and isolate out all the bad stuff, all the, you know, um, t- has to be a sample that's taken from the, a deceased human um, that was not, uh, can't be first combined with genetic material, have to take out the monkey kidney cells, the vero cells, the fetal bovine. In detail, Koch's postulate, you know, isolate the virus, then 
use that isolated virus on another human to see if they get SARS-CoV-2 and then isolate it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that, that whole process, you know, seeks truth. It seeks to get to the bottom of, we have, we do have a SARS, a COVID virus. We are treating a COVID virus. We are treating a variant. Mm -hmm. And so that's the, that's the question. Um, Then I just want to say, you know, our, 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 I don't know where that goes. Um, We're trying to figure out, you know, you're always trying to figure out what can you win? We must. (laughs) How can you win? How can you win? You know, you, if we, if we fight every little thing, I've been fighting, you know, the rural areas don't get COVID. So why can't we open them up and put the resources to the, 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 the urban areas? Um, we've been fighting every little thing. We've been in crisis mode, ch- chasing after, they have us chasing after so many things, trying to wrap our head around so much. But let's just go to, let's just go to this one thing mm-hmm. and give me an answer on that. And then let's talk. Mm-hmm. That is kind of where we're at, where I'm at. And because I don't, I don't know, you know, that there is such a, and in, um, this is a battle. This is a psychic battle. This is a, um, we're in a, I, I, I don't know how to win. Well, I'm trying to uh... figure it out. It's it's probably uh, it's so monstrous that you cannot deal with it solely on rational terms. Um, this I think um, I, all of us agree on this. Uh, this has to be dealt with on a on a different level. Of course, we have to continue with our legal efforts. We have to continue with educating people. But there is, and that's how we're going to win. There is a connection that you and and Vivian and I and all the others, uh, Peter McCullough, um, Zelenko, uh, Wolfgang Vodak, uh, Mike Yin, everyone who's who's watching this, and this is millions now, uh, they're all connected. So that is that must be on a different level. It's 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 not by accident that people do ask questions, others don't, but those who are asking questions and and we're becoming more and more, um, they're in another way connected. Um, I, uh, as I said earlier, um, a year and a half ago, had somebody told me this, I would have told them to take their pills and go see a doctor. But in the meantime, I do realize that there is a spiritual level to this, which the other side doesn't have have any access to. So we're gonna have to make uh, very good use of this and we are already. That's why that's why the tables are slowly but surely turning, even though the other side is uh, putting up, um, uh, turning up the heat. Uh, but that's because they're um, they're under pressure now. Yeah, they're feeling desperate. That's it. I, I hope you know they are turning up the heat. I can tell you, they are. The heat is, and and there's another heat turning up. There's a a line that line we talked about, where you know. Um, my body, my choice, you know, about my medical freedom. That is a line that many of us uh, will, you won't cross that line. I will not, I will lose everything. 
but I'm not going to give up my health because that's my future. I can make money again. I can get any job I want. I can do things. Okay. I could work as a Walmart greeter if I had to, to survive. So, you know, it's not about money or fame or anything. It's, there's something more important and it's that freedom. And uh, there are those, there are a lot of extraordinary Americans and I hope they're not underestimating us because they should not underestimate us. We are, we have the heart of a lion and we want to be free. And, um, and I want to say that there's, um, there is, I mean, they're, they're, they're coming, uh, they're coming at us. You know, there's it, recently, there was a transportation bill, AB 455 in, in California um, that forces vaccinations. It just, you know, thank goodness there were some extraordinary, I wouldn't, might not have noticed it. I have so much coming at me, but people noticed it, that it was tucked into this Dutton Amend bill and had nothing to do with health and, or anything. It just was tucked into another bill to get to, to force vaccinations. And then there was SB 1102, uh, an employer can fire or refuse to hire someone if they're not vaccinated. Um, I believe that's still suspended. Both of those are probably going to come back in January is what I understand. I'm not sure. There's another one pending, 11, AB 1105, requiring general acute care hospital employers to develop and implement a program to offer COVID-19 screening, testing for healthcare personnel, blah, 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 require general acute care hospital employers to test patients for COVID prior to being admitted um, with specific conditions exceptions does not sound okay that these are notes of people uh, what i'm trying to say is they're coming at us they're they're coming after this and they're not going to let this rest and we cannot rest um and you know i want to just make sure i clarify i'm not um this is not about anti-vaccine this is about medical freedom and uh e e equality um it's about our constitutional rights uh, we have an unalienable rights um government uh the united states constitution is a contract and um the the, the states contracted with the federal government the the federal government is operating outside of their contract um we have first amendment rights we have a fourth amendment right right not to deprive us of our life, liberty, and property without due process. We have a Ninth Amendment, the enumeration of the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Um, the Fourteenth Amendment, um, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, and property without due process or deny a person within its jurisdictions equal protection under the laws. And any law that flies in the face of the Constitution is void on its face. We know these things, but as Americans, we, we've lived a life of Riley. We don't, um, we've, we've never had to exercise it. And now we're in a position that we're going to have to exercise it in order to keep it. If you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. yeah.
That's my story. We're um, very glad you told us this story. And I know, I know for a fact that lots of people are watching this, in particular, by the way, in, in California. And I know also for a fact that uh, very many people will uh, see you as an example and that they will, um, they will be motivated to not just stand there on the sidelines or sit on the fence, uh, but they will come forward. Many will come forward. It has begun already. It's a good thing that uh, you're out there in the open and that you're not to be intimidated, um, but you're doing what, uh, I was gonna say John Wayne says, a man's gotta do what a man's gotta do, but a woman's gotta do what a woman's gotta do as well. And you're doing that. And I, I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed. There's a, I wouldn't be able to be here if it wasn't for all the people who would take the time out of their doctors um, that I don't know, take the time out of their busy day to teach me, to help me understand um, people from Cuba, Vietnam, China, um, Russia, mm -hmm. who have said, Sue, you you don't know because you're American. I came here because I wanted to get away from communism, but communism is here. It's, it's here. Yeah. Um, I've had uh, the, the gift of that, you know, sometimes, and I've been telling people this, if your intuition, I've had so many people lately who called and said, I just wanted to call and see how you, what do you think about the vaccine? I'm thinking about taking it. I have an appointment tomorrow. Um, I've had those moments, um, that I could share information that might inform them and help their decision. And I've had people who were strong, who built me up when I was down and, and vice versa. We're, we're working, we can do this together, but I don't, we have to do it together. That's the only way we yeah. can do this. We have That's to do it together is. and we all have to stand up. Yeah. Okay. Sue, you're going to have to go to work now, right? I have to go, <laughs> but I, um, I want to, you know, uh, thank you for, I hope what I shared was helpful and I want to thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor, Sue. I mean, I really, uh, I'm full of respect here. I, uh, I admire um, what you're doing and I think a lot of other people are too. And I know it's going to move other people. It's going to motivate other people to do the same. Hopefully politicians as well, doctors, politicians in particular. I had to pray about it um, and I had to talk to my husband and say, are you okay if I, my whole life implodes because it, it could. <laughs> it won't. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> okay. So be it. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sue. And have thank a great you. day. You too. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So. Incredible. Incredible madness, yes. But that is uh, that there are people like this who sit down and say, I can't stand it. I got to do something. And she gets the backing. And uh, unfortunately, as she's just explained, it's people who tell her, we are behind you. 
But we have not got yet the courage to stand up and move forward. But that's going to change. We have a couple of people in the line who may join us, and they are heavyweight, high-profile people in the Californian area, at least. We've got one more guest before we close the day. My old friend Björn Pjewitz, sometimes the world's a village. Björn Pjewitz and I have known each other for, I think, over 40 years. Is that true, Björn? 35. 35, I think. Can you see me? You're right, yes, we, we can see you're a bit lit in the background, but it's okay. So, we... I can darken it a bit, yeah. Good idea. It's getting dark here. It's better like this, is it? A little bit, anyway, good. Uh, it got even darker now, but it's okay. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I think, it, I think it's okay. It's okay for the... And then we go on, Björn. Uh, Björn Pivitz. Uh, we met in 86 or 87, 85? How long? 30, 35 years back. Yeah, perfect. That's great. And we were both en route to our own universities in the US. And um, we had a, what, six week uh, in, in Wisconsin. How many words? 60 people who were going to study in the US. Uh, that's how far we go back. We uh, lost track of each other. Bjorn is a legal expert, of course. He's a tech investor and venture capitalist, above all. How come, really, uh, you saw one of our meetings and you thought, oh, well, I know this fellow, or what? Yes, it was actually, I was in Berlin on the, dem on the rally last year, 29th of August. And I saw you on the stage, and uh, so I picked up on that. Right, and uh, as Bjorn Pirates has uh, some experience that suddenly has become quite relevant, we came up with something in cooperation with him that might be a game changer, because the important thing is that we get things moving, that we talk in person to people, not only to institutions, because what we're uh, seeing here, what we've been seeing for months now, and what Sue Frost has been describing in such a crass way, uh, that you try to motivate people to subject themselves to a genetic uh, experiment uh, by promising them ice cream or uh, a lottery win, that is unprecedented and as Bjorn Privets used to work in this area in the past and still has old contacts, he refreshed his memory and now we know what we should have seen a long time ago, that all that is happening here and isn't absolutely is not compatible at all with advertising for um, medication is 
illegal under the um, pharmaceutical advertising law. Yes, I've wondered for a long time why nothing is happening in that respect. The uh, Advertising Act is a special act to protect against illegal competition. It uh, affects the uh, behavior on the market, but uh, not uh, with respect to the competition. That's the main aim, but also to protect the consumers. It's a, a, an act that was enforced in 65, 1965 and 2012. It was adjusted um, to follow European legislation requirements. And we have got the guideline 2001-83 to create a common codex for human drugs, drugs used for humans. And that's a guideline, it's not a directive, so this is why it's not immediately applicable. It has to be ratified in the member countries, but it uh, coins, it is mandatory, and it sets forth the interpretation of the rules and regulations in the different countries, in the member countries, and um, as a side effect, it means what we're discussing here now. I um, didn't check that uh, directly now, but I think uh, that should apply to all other member member country, country countries of the EU, and there should be a similar approach possible. I remembered, uh, for I've been out of that um, legal business for 25 years. Um, of course, I'm still in contact, in working with um, contractual law and legal. I've been working with legal aspects all my life. Uh, but actually, during my uh, traineeship, I was in a chamber for uh, competitive law in Berlin at the time. And I had a lot to do with this act, advertising. Um, Pharmaceutical Advertising Act, um, there were many things, five, six cases, and most of this were so-called um, um, advertising, pharmaceutical advertising issues, and so I looked into that and wanted to just share a couple of ideas what one, of what, what one could do and uh, what action to take. So what is this Advertising Act about? There is three major areas. One is the uh, confusion, paragraph three, everything that is uh, tentative, um, so, uh, for example, it's misleading. That means I cannot do any advertising for a drug by uh, telling it will bring remedy 100% if I take that. And um, um, also vaccines are medical drugs in the sense of this act, only because it is uh, applied or uh, developed for 
healthy people for prophylaxis and not for therapy, it doesn't stop them being a medical drug. So I can't promise that with that drug uh, there will be remedy. I also am not allowed to say if you don't take this you're going to be worse off, you'll be more ill or you'll have any disadvantages. That is forbidden because it's misleading. I cannot uh, quote any false studies. I cannot uh, cover up any adverse effects. That's all that area. And then we have the public advertising area of it. So I can do some things, but only with the experts. If I go to the general public, certain things are simply prohibited. That means I cannot use the popularity of people to advertise um, and uh, suggest to the unknown or the, the uninformed consumer to get the vaccination. Especially, this is not allowed for doctors to do this. So, using they are not allowed to use their professional authority for that. Basically, I am not allowed to do any adolescent-related uh, advertising. Especially, nobody under the year under 14 years of age. There's no exception, and there's no interpretation to that. It's completely forbidden. And also here, there is a special um, offence possible um, concerning number seven. If I paragraph number seven, if I promise the improvement of health when I take the vaccine or the drug, uh, or if I threaten the worsening of the condition, that is not allowed. And then we have the area of the warnings and the mandatory information. We know that um, from the advertising, uh, it tells us to um, ask our doctor or pharmacician, pharmaceutical staff. That has to be added to all the advertising statements. I've never heard Mr. Lauterbach or whoever uh, uh, whoever of the people producing themselves in the TV say this sentence. Also, the mandatory information has to be there. Name of the maker, uh, registration number, all of that. In, it's given in the law, nobody does it. So these are the three major areas. And then we have the so-called, I call that absolute advertising prohibition. These are the low-hanging fruits, really, because this is not about complex issues that have to be discussed and uh, looked at the individual cases and so on. <coughs> uh, because that is the uh, law against unfair competition. That's what I have to do. I have to look at all the individual areas, join them all up and come to a conclusion to see whether it is covered by the law against unfair competition and the absolute one is paragraph 3a for example in the drug advertising law not authorized uh, drugs are not allowed to are prohibited to uh, do advertising for that's full stop and that's what we have nobody says this 
So, anyone who gives any positive and tries to sell this, um, they can be sued according on the basis of this paragraph 3a. Another point, paragraph 12. Four, there is a prohibition to advertise um, drugs that have to be registered. No, uh, so rep uh, that need to be reported. Uh, so, uh, so that is um, reportable illnesses. That's what I wanted to say. And due to the Infection Act, Corona is a reportable illness. So due to that required, due to that regulation, there is no uh, advertising is prohibited. I've talked about the mandatory information, and there are the additional the donations. Um, so that the ice cone, the coupons, free taxi rides, and whatever they think of, and what I've seen. All of these are donations, and if they were low, it would be allowed, but there is very, very high grant, very, very high uh, requirements. So um, just a couple of euros is not null and void. So very easy, very straightforward things that one could go for. I wonder why nobody has done that so far, but maybe I'll come to it. And then we've got the blacklist. The blacklist is from the um, special, uh, from the general um, competitive law, that's an annex to paragraph 3, a whole list of things that are prohibited and some of them are applicable here. So for example, number 18, untrue information saying that uh, the drug, in this case the vaccine, could heal. Uh, sickness that's a statement on the safety uh, saying that if you don't take it uh, the safety of the customer is um, adverse that could be number 12 possibly here number four um, if the impression is created that this is approved by a public body so there's quite a number of offenses that one could think of here that could be true and uh, nobody did that so far. And that takes us to the topic where if there is no, um, nobody to complain, there's no judge. So for these general uh, issues of general interest, we had the general Claim, but here the topic is the class action. As as um, no, that's the the associations who could um, lawsuits here, and that ha happened a lot in the past because it was good to make money with it. Um, so that is um, uh, warnings here that should be issued or cautioned. Um, then if I send out a caution, for example. Um, say I'm an association or associate or association or I'm a competitor, my lawyer 
has already earned his money when he sends out a caution to somebody else, and that doesn't even take us to court. So that is an easy thing to do. It's a shut sword, and the, uh, uh, there was a lot of lot of lobby work being done today. Uh, we have to be registered as an association. Uh, we have to be qualified somehow and in a register for the, uh, the Federal Minister of Justice. And then there are the uh, competitions and the corporate associations. None of them came out. Uh, the Consumer Protection Associations, it's quite clear if you see where they are financed. Uh, it's the public and uh, public bodies. And of course, that is um, uh, infected by the parties, so nobody does anything there. And uh, the corporate associations is probably something um, I think um, that associations who have uh, corporations that pay them won't want them to damage their business. So that only leaves us with the uh, competition who is that um, that's quite a wide field not only the one at the same level that could be production that could be retail these are seen as um, competitors anybody who could some in some way subsidize the offered product so that could be someone <coughs> um, offering prophylaxis any drugs that could be any, anything that we've just discussed before maybe not in the mainstream press <coughs> Uh, vitamin preparates, vitamin D, the um, wholesalers of these pharmacies could be competitors. So that is quite a wide field and that's not such a big hurdle again here. I think nobody drew up on this because these competitors especially the pharmacies, have been bought by respective high payments um, when selling this. So nobody has an interest in not selling the vaccines. So just a couple of ideas, and I thought it would be interesting that uh, elsewhere, in, if, if I have the wrong name in the footage of my website, I get a caution quicker than I can think, and it's massive uh, fines and so on, because I got a wrong phone number on my website, and now where it's massive things really, um, and the consumers need to be protected, uh, nobody, as far as we have seen, has come forward and uh, did something about it. So, well, Maybe this will get someone, uh, spark an idea to a couple of people to think about this to, uh, from, from the lawyers and also, uh, of course, they have to find somebody to file a complaint 
but maybe there are some who have thought of that and so maybe it's possible to join up teams here and see where we can go because it's absolutely illegal what we're doing here what we're seeing here uh, everything that is going on with corona is absolutely anti-constitutional and illegal full stop uh, so just as a brief uh, anecdote uh, an interesting topic, as I think, because as a private person, we cannot caution anybody. We have that a sharp sword, because this is criminal law, really. So there is criminal offenses and so on, of course, uh, in, in that uh, law, but I don't want to address that now the attorney generals don't work anyway so we don't have to do suit for file any criminal lawsuits but the same applies here for private uh, lawsuits so we have to see who can complain who is legitimate and as always the people who are in action whatever institution they are in so maybe in addition there there may be some claims um uh, middlemanship or things like that that could take uh, an effect but the person who acts is responsible and as far as i know these are the weakest links in the chain it's not the super prominent people but the c and d prominence the c and d stars the doctors who were used for the campaigns and uh, the low-range employees of other institutions, they could uh, maybe tried with to file a suit against, uh, because it is illegal what they're doing, quite clear. So that's a quick uh, tour around. Well, we looked at this topic before in the context of the statements made at the uh, Refugee Council of Lower Saxony, where this uh, doctor communicated that there are no side effects or that uh, all the side effects uh, were gone after a couple of weeks and if you had any side effects or after three days whatever yeah. well that that, uh, that rule is clearly subject to um, area to be cautioned absolutely it? i wondered as well when i looked at that uh, on your idea following your idea why are there no colleagues on that yet uh, is this sharp sword has of course the fee benefit for the for the lawyer they don't have to do much they just have to check it out and see if it's the right complaint uh, and the right uh, enemy and do we have the right uh, person we know by now that probably with the qualified um, associations you can't talk with them they are publicly funded one can say so they are online. The pharmacists uh, have been bought off because they make good money with the measures. But the competitors, they are there. And there's a load of them. So uh, pharmacists as well. But there is a range of more. All of the people, for example, who um, sell alternative treatments, they are, of course, and treated unfairly quite massively not only here in germany 
we can only apply that law here, but um, we have the same situation in California, as we've heard. Dr. Borges told us that it is an official line worldwide, in Germany as well, an official line that triggers, by the way, it was triggered by the contracts that have been kept secret so far from between the countries and the vaccine makers. According to that line, alternative remedies are not allowed and the country that bought the vaccine has to buy it and use it even if there are alternative remedies. So that's even an exaggerated form of limiting the competition. But we hadn't known that so far because we didn't know the contracts. We just wondered why um, they chase the alternative remedies out there. We know now because exactly these guys who now they are incompetent with competition with the alternative remedies try to close contracts which are null and void as we know um, try to um, exclude alternative remedies by contract that is a massive market and the second part of the sword apart from the lawyers being able to make good money if they work carefully is uh, on the other hand it's a massive impact it really costs many money it's thousands maybe even more always yeah and i think that somebody like mr lauterbach uh, who is very in, much in favor of vaccinations uh, uses his authority as a member of uh, parliament and uh, that is also something that is worthy of cautioning yes maybe just to clarify this the fact that you're not talking about uh, special uh, drugs specific with a name it's just said that um, it's a get vaccinated is no exclusion there is a lot of court rules um, it's enough it is concrete a range of product and the product the um, consumer knows what is referred to and we've only got four drugs on the market and in that sense i don't think uh, that will be a hurdle particularly as they all have the same or similar toxic side effects as uh, wolfgang explained again to us earlier it's not like one of them is unproblematic and the others are difficult then it might be as easy but they all have the same issues yes and we know by now from the reports that we've got from israel lately but from the us as well that the efficient efficacy is zero and homing into zero and that the adverse effects and reactions are massive although the mainstream media try to cover that up so this is really a very good uh, field of battle really if um, you were a lawyer, a lawyer and um, want to do that cautioning yes it's even worse Uh, they say the double shot was no good, so take another one. That's absurd, really. Yes, and then repeat it every six months. That's the plan. As uh, one of our 
mandates the chair of the um, health commission of um, uh, one of my mandates was informed it is quite clear that first of all the campaign is going to start it's not going to be two vaccinations every six months is the game which uh, the member of the parliament told our witness and if they don't uh, take on then they are uh, out uh, excluded where they can't go in restaurants and so on Well, for um, interested colleagues um, who, who have an interest in more information, we introduced a um, internet site, hwg at coronaausschuss.de. I think I can say uh, this much without saying too much. We've uh, individualized a couple of cases which would be worth pursuing. And we have basically also prepared the claim and the process, the filings, and we wanted to go for this. The goal is uh, not to go for copyright issues and have some uh, strategy and a copyright for that, but to share the idea to trigger that and maybe get uh, some of our colleagues out there uh, motivate them to get things going so maybe they have thought about that already so let me do that and um, I tripped on it and uh, let's do it and maybe there is uh, one or the other competitor who really know what to do and how to fight back uh, they might be ready to say okay I'll want to do something and then they could uh, just report to you. Well, I think against the background of what we heard by Professor Desmond, uh, whom I have to quote again now. It's good. He's, he's great. He can quote him on it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we have the consolation here that uh, that he claims that the uh, mask uh, propaganda and all that uh, only works uh, because uh, authorities and uh, celebs are referred to and um, there were uh, experiments where uh, we had uh, um, experiments where uh, commands were given to um, study groups and uh, if the command came by, uh, by nobody or by a celeb then um, the response was quite different so and then we have this uh, continuous barrage of misinformation if this was discontinued we had a little bit of a breather space then might that might give people cause for uh, reflection uh, to think about what's happening here so i think this is very important for society and we'd be happy if people contact us nobody claims a copyright here although you did most of the work you own but nobody at least none of us want to make any money on this we want to trigger things we want to get things going and we will the more colleagues are in the more competitors say good opportunity the better it will be that's the way it is yeah i gotta leave okay it's but all right stay in contact. all right we will you're doing a fantastic job i really have to say so here and i know people 
as, as I said, I've been uh, not in Germany for many years. I don't want to tell you where I am. Um, uh, and there is people here who follow you and um, appreciate greatly what you do. It gives hope to people. That's very gratifying. The more people get together, the more people pull on the same side of um, uh, the, the, the rope, the better. Okay, so see you again. Okay, so. Well, that takes us to the end of the meeting. It was really unbelievable again. Uh, really, I, I got my issue with Australia. I don't get up what's going on there, but it is scary. Yeah, that's what's happening there. That's really a, a nightmare. Well, I would like to um, ask for donations again. A lot of things are happening and we need money um, for these things that are happening uh, for the uh, um, committee as well. And the technicians who run this are happy about donations. So we learned a lot again and I would like to uh, wish everybody uh, Despite all the things we heard, or because of all the things that we heard, because they might be, um, they might give you um, food for thought whether you should become uh, active. One, one more thing. We've got one video, and I think that is really interesting. It uh, fits in with our title, Effective Resistance. This is a brief video. Looks like a uh, gym somewhere, a certain Dr. Schäuble, who was uh, he's, uh, the president of the Bundestag currently. He was uh, attacked and um, the nurse who treated him after the, assass the attempt assassination, um, she makes a speech and she says and she shows it's possible just like Sue Frost has just shown us. So watch that video. It is worth it in amendment to what you've just uh, talked about, the donation. We've got a PayPal account. I don't know how this works, but uh, many people say it's more easy to donate. Okay, and beyond that, we are through our session. And, well, and we wish you all a very... Um Nice uh, Friday evening and a nice weekend. Good evening, Dr. Schäuble. I'm a physiotherapist and 30 years ago, I was your physiotherapist in uh, Freiburg, in the hospital where you were delivered to in October at the time. At the time, I went to the church and prayed for you because it really hurt me, it affected me. I had seen you as a trustable and honest person. That was my experience. I put my trust in you and that trust has completely vanished. And I am very sorrowful of seeing what you see. I was proud to be uh, entrepreneur in our country and I'm seeing a propaganda going on now which is unbearable. We have
heart attacks, we have massive problems. And uh, there is the clinics were never at their limits. The ICU, 6,000 ICU beds were taken out of the hospitals. You know what I mean. It is not okay what's going on. What you're doing with the children is not okay. My, you have taken my, my mother had, uh, had taken Contagan at the, um, the, at the time. She stopped it. Now you are playing around with a new type of vaccination, fully unknown. The pharmaceutical industry is testing it. I, at the time, I prayed for you, and I now I pray that everybody will be relieved of their massive sins that they have taken.